Hello everyone and welcome back to Feeding Curiosity and today's episode has got two of my favorite people on the planet, Eric Herrera and Jordan Chris. Jordan Chris, as you know, has been on the podcast many times and Eric has been on the podcast himself too. And this time I decided to bring them both together and we just chill out and have fun, some fun talking like bros. And um, aside from that, these are some of my favorite podcasts ever to do because it's just me and my friends talking about whatever we feel like talking about, catching up, like, for good old time's sake, because as we get older, it's harder and harder to get in the same room together and just have conversations. So, without further ado, please enjoy my podcast with Eric Carrera and Jordan Chris, the dynamic duo. <clears throat> All right, we're live. We just totally died laughing for a little bit. <laughs> we're joined by, yet again, Jordan Chris. Hello. And Eric Carrera. What it do? Meme King. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. I, no, I no, I don't agree with that. Oh, we oh. don't have to, Jordan. The, the statistics are there. <laughs> what statistics? There's data. Can you prove any of that? Absolutely. Go to my Facebook page. Uh, <laughs> I believe my handle is still Eric no dot Herrera dot. <laughs> How the fuck do you know dot that? The dot bomb dot diggity dot. <laughs> that should be it. I don't think I've changed it since high school. Oh my god. <laughs> The fact that's a thing is, and that you know it is next level. Absolutely, it's my Facebook profile. <laughs> it's like, you, you, you know my MySpace too? Just don't read my actual bio because my girlfriend read that to me a couple of weeks ago and it's from like, when did we start Facebook? Like eighth? Probably around freshman, freshman year of high school. Yeah. Damn, that was a beer yeah. opening. And uh, it's got all that high school goodness, you know? Oh, Hold on, I'm going to pull it up and read it. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'll, just I'll, while I'll. Jordan gets set up, we, the, the reason I got this one together is Jordan and Herrera here, they, they kind of go at it a little, a little bit, you know, like two roosters sometimes. And so I thought it, having them on a... because <laughs> Jordan's a cockbag. <laughs> so I thought having them on a, on a podcast would totally let them get out some of that aggression. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an episode of Maury. None of us are fighters, so we really can't, you know, go to the gym and just box it out. <laughs> so we, uh, we just talk shit to each other, pretty much, until, yeah. until one of us submits. <laughs> this is the longest fucking bio. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you. <laughs> um, it's not even, it's like, it's kind of, like, I thought it would be more ridiculous. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty, Dang. like... Like, what you're saying, like, part of it says, I do not despise nor look differently at gay people, and it's like, yeah, I'm... I get down with that. <laughs> I get down with that. Yeah. I do what I want. Yeah. 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 This is not that. Yeah. Okay. We're good. We're good. No. <laughs> that was like Lester. Yeah. I thought it was going to be something ridiculous. I mean, normally it is. Yeah. Let that. Let this be confirmed that this is probably the only thing that Jordan's ever going to agree with me on. So let's let's just we, we yeah, found we found some common we're ground. We're going to hold that common ground for the next ten years and see what we can work with that. Yeah, I don't think it's going up from there. <laughs> no, it's just yeah. just a foundation. Right. I mean, I also had a random ass idea on the weekend to tell Eric to wear a turkey suit to Friendsgiving. Yeah. <laughs> hold on. Let me pull up that text. That was great. Because <laughs> I was in bed. And uh, I just get some random text saying that I should wear a turkey costume. And then he texts me again. And the, the subsequent text was what got me. He said, you should have a turkey suit for Thanksgiving. The next text, I may have had a few drinks. The next text, but regardless, it doesn't reduce the validity of the statement. So that's, I'm, I guess, when I read that, I guess he was at least five or six deep. Had to have been. <laughs> Uh, where did that originate? Like, <laughs> I was at Pollyanna the other day, 
Oh, I think you told me you're yeah. texting. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> me and Mike were talking about turkey bowl and stuff like that. I was like, oh, you know what we should do? We're just like talking about ridiculous things. And I'm like, we got to have Herrera wear a turkey suit and we got to chase him around and catch the turkey. Yo, that'd be fun. You know what, dude? <laughs> hey, man, I've been off the cigarettes for a couple months. I could probably get my cardio back up. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're squirrely like that, that anyways, you know? I'm down, to, I'm down to literally run that. That would be a fun game. <laughs> got to chase the turkey. For, you know, you got to win the turkey for the turkey Heck ball. yeah. Flag football, except I get like 13 flags. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh, man. Oh, man. So what's new with you, dude, since you haven't been on here in a little while? Yeah, um, I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, that's like the first time I've seen you in probably like a month. Other than me purchasing my first vehicle, not much has been going on. So that's your car up in front? Yes, sir. You don't got yeah. the sous vide no more? No, no, it was a Beamer. But, uh, oh, yeah, you said the sous vide. Yeah. You said the sous vide. No, yeah. Um, no, it is a busted cylinder, so... The shell is still nice, so we're going to keep it. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to drop a rebuilt in there mm. pretty soon. That's a nice side project. You yeah. Know? That'd be fun, at least. Because that car's not, like, all electronic, so you're not going to be stuck just... Yeah. You know, you can't take it into this dealership <clears throat> and just do whatever you got to do with it. Kind of deal. But, uh, yeah. Other than that, are we... Should we, like, lay out Friendsgiving since it's coming up? Yeah, yeah. Why yeah, not? why not? Because it's like a kind of our deal. I actually yeah. have zero clue what's going on. I, I like my Thanksgiving plans have jumbled since right, my yeah. car broke down. Like well, so we're supposed ago. to be doing the twenty fourth, which I actually don't know if this podcast will be out by then because it might be out way after that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyways, we we're gonna do our annual friendsgiving where we're growing exponentially at this point. It seems like every year. Yeah, mm -hmm. there's gonna be a lot of people we don't know. Yeah, because Maddie yeah. decided to go and invite like half of her group of people that yeah. I don't even know who I've group. met I met a few of them they're like super cool yeah I had a feeling yeah, I, mean, yeah. I had a feeling they'd be cool I just yeah. don't know any of them right right but uh yeah well, so we'll have let's be honest we wouldn't be friends with the people that we would be friends with if we didn't like any of their friends right know, yeah exactly. like, that's not true because I hate you <laughs> that's a damn lie <laughs> that's true why on he, the podcast then bitch he I mean he just loathes you yeah and he just keeps you around because he keeps that you know in his back pocket so then mm -hmm. he can just channel that energy right so release <laughs> that's fine that's fine your wallet's in the same back pocket nigga you better check it it's actually uh, not uh, <laughs> better watch my language <laughs> dude the hood came out of you on that one yeah, talking about wallets got me excited <laughs> but yeah so the the idea is we since we all have friend groups that have been Spanning a 15 years at least, we were like, let's do our own Friendsgiving, you know, with the family, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've been doing it at a friend's house now, but we, I think we're, <clears throat> we're we're at the point I think where houses are no longer going to be the opportune place yeah. to do these things. And so Joe texted me not too long ago, and uh, he's like, hey, what if we like look into trying to do a banquet hall thing? And then the um, what you would get out of it basically would be. Um, we just like rent out a, a banquet hall, and then we set up a charity fundraiser along with it, and then we would pick something. So like Joe's doing the SVAs this year mm -hmm. because he's a part of it, and then like every year going forward, we would be able to get our own whatever charity drive we want would want to do with it. The food's taken care of then, the location is taken care of then, and it's just a matter of getting all the friends involved, and then the family would be involved as well too. Yeah. So it would be an entire deal, which would be really cool. That that is cool. I'm down for both. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, both yeah. sound just as equally as. Yeah. Um, like, my thing on it, I just like getting together with everyone. Yeah, me too. Because <laughs> now that everyone has their own jobs and, like, significant others or yeah. they don't, whatever. Um, 
basically everyone's busy. Right. In their own right. Yeah, so for, the, nice. for the long story short, everyone has their yeah. own yeah. shit going yeah, on. So it's yeah, hard to get, to get together as much as we used to, so it's nice to have that. Like, yeah. Like, so what I've been doing is because Mike don't have a Facebook anymore and those people who don't, mm-hmm. I make sure that when I find out these things, I text him right away. I'm like, hey, dude, yeah. make sure you don't, like, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't schedule a trip or whatever, like, work your hours or whatever on those days because so we like yeah could we safely just say to make it the saturday after thanksgiving from here on out i don't so see why not so it's not an issue of like yeah. oh, when's it gonna be yeah we, we should agree to do that i kind of we should do that because then we can schedule every year on that yeah. day no matter what yeah so like even if it's hard to get days off of work for whatever reason yeah. you can you know what day you know hey it's the saturday after thanksgiving yeah. no matter what period because right. i mean well because thanksgiving is always on a thursday anyways exactly. yeah mm-hmm. exactly. it's not like it's a moving holiday right. so so I figure that that'll make it easier, especially and, as people get more continuously busy. You know, yeah, and, so. and what well, schedules kind of solidify as we finish school and things like that, yeah. so that we kind of have these typical-ish schedules. Yeah, that banquet I'm, hall thing is cool. So they would, I dig that. They would. I really like the food. Like yeah, so banquet hall, like you you rent out like the like a room basically, and how you say how many seats you'd need with people count, and then you just. They have like a menu or whatever, and you select a menu, and they just give you food. So it's, it's almost like catering. Though. Yeah, it'd be like a catering thing, but it's built in with the, the whatever venue you choose. With the, yeah, with the space. It's kind of like what you do for like Easter or sometimes, or even oh, like yeah. uh, weddings, uh-huh. where you go to a banquet hall and they have. But That's like, yeah, we should definitely figure that out I, next I th- year. I think it'd be cool to do that because because yeah. it, it kind of takes away this because like right now the thing is I'm worried about is food because. We have so many different people, and if everyone brings in one thing, that's fine, right? But, you know, what if, like, half the people bring in pies, and then we have, like, a yeah. hundred different pies? Yeah, well, we do have a list. Yeah. So that shouldn't be an issue. Like, I figured there's, like, say, 15 people agree to go, which on the thing. Plus, Jordan's bringing around. Pop-Tarts and bars, so. I'm bringing Pop-Tarts. Everyone <laughs> fucking loves cookie dough Pop-Tarts. <laughs> anyway, you cannot go wrong with the Tardy Boys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> so tardy much. Boys. But, you know what I mean? But anyway, aside from the Pop-Tarts, um... <laughs> yeah, I think there's like 15 or 18 people saying yeah. that one. So like not including have... any significant others that are not accounted for in that list. Right. So if we bring like three desserts, you know what I mean, a couple like a couple of appetizers. Yeah. That should be plenty. Yeah. Right. And everything else is just like I mean, Maddie said she's doing the turkey. Apparently John won't be there, so I don't know. Who's doing the turkey then? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like who's really doing the I'm turkey? John. Oh, shit. Yeah. So I'm kind of scared because Maddie burned her house down at one point. Yeah. So. <laughs> I love how we get to say this on the podcast now, and she can't defend herself. I mean, I've seen pictures. That's the truth. The photos are real. She told oh, us herself, so it's pictures. like it's yeah. She showed me. In, I think it was me. Oh, yeah, she did show us pictures. It's oh, pretty bad. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty bad. Oh my god. Yeah, never, never heard of anyone starting their own kitchen on fire except <laughs> for her. <laughs> so yeah, it's a thing. I mean. Now I didn't even think about that part of the logistics. There is who's going to actually be making food. Well, and remember uh, what was it last year? We took like a, I think like it was an hour and a half hiatus on who's going to cut the turkey. Did you really? Yeah, because like it was, like nobody knew exactly how to carve a turkey, but like we could cut a turkey. Yeah. Know, but how are we going to save something for the for all of us? Right. Yeah. 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 So um, everybody was like, "Oh yeah, I've never carved a turkey. I'll look it up on YouTube." And then they disappear for five minutes, and they're like. Well, what happened to the person who's cutting the turkey? <laughs> I'll look it up on YouTube. <laughs> and then they disappear for five minutes. <laughs> and everybody's mingling in the party, too. Yeah. So it's like everybody just gets lost. Yeah. I mean, Joey knows how to cut a turkey because the first Friendsgiving, me and Joe just figured it oh, out. Oh, dude, yeah, he can fuck a turkey up. 
for sure can. I mean, real is honestly, you know, people get always worried. I, you know, those horror stories of cooking turkeys that you hear, like, mm-hmm. oh, it's my first time cooking a turkey. If you're yeah. being a white person or whatever, I blew it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it is, it's delicate though, because like you can dry it out. Yeah, well, me and Joe did it when it didn't even take us that long, but we put like a fuck ton of butter on it. Yeah, well, yeah. that that colors it apparently. I thought that. Oh really? T- yeah. So I thought now I'm confused. putting the butter over it. I thought that was too. Keep the juices, yeah. yeah, right. But apparently, all that does is brown it on the outside. Huh. So apparently, what you're supposed to do is what you put inside the turkey is what keeps the moisture. Huh. Um, so like, so that's why the stuffing creates then. the flavor. So a lot of things you're supposed to do is like carrots. God damn, I'm hungry now. Like that. No, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't really even like turkey that much, but uh, I love stuffing. That's what I love. Stuffing is the best. Yeah, so that, that's what I was thinking part. about bringing. Is like you know, honestly, it wouldn't be me making, but my dad making it. But you know, whatever. No, that doesn't work. Cheating. Well, I mean, I, I could learn how to do it. Be like, hey, Dad, what's the list? And then he'd show me the deal. Yeah, yeah. well, you already gave us your agenda, so cheating. Does it, do you want great food? <laughs> I mean, hey, seven or no stuff. We're just going to be some great food at that party. <laughs> well, then your dad can come and you stay. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to tell your dad's invited. <laughs> Yeah. Dude, that my, would mom be a would show, party. my mom would show. My mom would show up anyways. Hey, dudes! Yeah. I got one shot. Right. Those <laughs> ones that were already four hours into the party. Ah, it don't matter. You'll be good. Just you know. <laughs> That's exactly what. Just she drink did. some water on your way home. <laughs> <laughs> While I'm driving, absolutely. I really wish that we could like, like have a bar set up. Cause I would love to like a legit content. bar. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. Like, content, be like, Yo, I know Joe makes the old fashions. He makes some bomb. Um, Joe, Joe's got the uh, the white Russians the white Russian. on lock yeah. now. Yeah, he was he was the dude for Halloween man, and he was like he was making those good. Nice. I, I, I was messed I love up. A good white Russian. I too. was messed up on Halloween. <laughs> I was messed up. <laughs> How was the party? It was cool. It was like really weird because like the president or no the 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 faculty like advisor of the SVA's Student Veterans Association. He's uh like hangs out with the students, and so we were at his house like his giant ass mansion in Ann Arbor. In his basement, basically, like, hanging out. And, like, the entire thing was set up with Halloween decorations, couches all down there. And they had, like, this zombie head with, like, punch flowing through it. And, like, we thought it was just fake blood, right? Just flowing down into this cauldron. And, like, he's like, no, you can drink that. And it's, like, got, like, a whole bottle of vodka in it. Like, what? What? Yeah, it was crazy. And then, like, you could they had, like, a whole dance floor in the one corner of the area. And then, like, chill. It was really really cool. Like, and then just, like, having all those different people... Yeah. They're, they're mostly like other veterans, you know, that were right. who were done and now finishing up the degrees and right. You know, I, I met like a physicist, two mechanical engineers, two aerospace engineers. Like, yeah. it, it, it was just weird. Holy shit! All over if you go yeah, to like it was that. like yeah. super all over, and I was like, yeah. damn, these guys are smart as hell. Yeah. <laughs> when you start going to the smaller smaller schools, you start running into like, you have like the few main right yeah the, the, the stoop I mean? like the big degrees yeah. basically for yeah. like that are popular for people right. but if you go to school like that you're gonna have people doing freaking yeah everything, you know what i mean yeah kind of cool it was, it was really neat and then i even got to i got to interview for the podcast that'll be the next one actually it'll be out by the time this one is um william water street so he's the president of the svas currently oh that's the name yeah and so he's a he's a electrical with minor and mechanical but he also is really into politics too and so he's like got this really hmm. in- so so for me like that's that's interesting because you know when you think of someone who's into politics you think of that kind of like lawyer or something like you know that's very articulate about words and not like systems oriented so much that an engineer would be like mm-hmm. and so I think it's cool when you get like a cross disciplinary 
type of person who wants to be make an impact in government right. with that training as an engineer. Right. You know, and he already has a whole bunch of stuff with foreign affairs because he was part of that in the military. He was huh. doing the camera work. He was like one of the instead of being given a gun, he had the camera on the battlefield, huh. and he was stationed in Afghan, I believe. And so he, he had to take all the battlefield photos. That's crazy. That's, yeah. Yeah. So he's got really like he has a lot of experiences. Like he, he's, he, in the podcast, he talked about how he could like translate that into like a journalist job if he really wanted to. Like instead of going to school, he could have just gone straight into like some sort of journalistic duty. All right. So was, was he a photographer beforehand? Or no. They just the military just he's like yeah you did really good on your your ASVAB or I forget, is that is that the right one? Yeah. Yeah, he's like, you really do go in this. You're he's like, inside of your gun, you get a camera. You know, <laughs> scored great. Here's a camera. Yeah, like he's like, you're too smart for that. So here's a camera. <laughs> it's funny how the military does that, right? Yeah, right. that's that's cool though. Yeah, it was it was super interesting to be able to, to to like have a conversation with someone like that has that much of a different experience. But it's also like the the, the th- I love the military people though because they're they, it was like being in this weird really weird place where everyone's just able to talk about all these like really hot button issues like. The Friday night before the party of Halloween, we had like we went to this like little hole in the wall bar where we just went downstairs and they were drinking uh, wine and just bullshitting about different ideas and stuff. And like half of the conversation was how why the electoral college was stupid hmm. and how to remove it and what we would do. <laughs> like it was really weird. I was like, where am I right now? <laughs> I'm like, this is like I'm at home, but we're talking about like these things. <laughs> right. So yeah, it's just a really surreal experience to be able to like kind of have those kind of deep conversations that I'm used to having because right. of this podcast and our friend group yeah. and then be at like a stranger and everyone's just like, yeah, these are my ideas and here's these things and let's just talk about them. Yeah. yeah. So it's pretty cool. That is cool. But again, yeah, at a school like that, you know, you're going to... Right, it's, it's, exactly. Probably, um, think about it. especially people who were in the military or some sort of stuff like that that have thoughts on that. Right. Oh, yeah. I, I, think it's, I think it's like it part depends. of the military mindset where you... Especially for the people who are more intelligent about, you know, having, like, goals or aspirations. They, they are articulate enough to be able to talk about more than just a singular topic. Yeah. You know, and then they're also upfront enough where they're not going to be like, oh, I don't know about my ideas. Mm-hmm. They're not going to, you know, pigeon toe around things. Well, yeah, because yeah. I've thought about it. Yeah. 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 So. It's just yeah. sounded louder. Oh, yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, if you spend time thinking about something, you're going to know your opinion. Yeah. Versus, like, if someone starts talking to me about, like, what it is to be an astronaut, I'm going to be like, dude, I really don't have much to say here. (laughs) I I know you guys eat dry food. Yeah. That's about it. It looks fun. I'm like, I'm. Like, you snake in a chair for a couple minutes. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, speaking of which, we should talk about your screenwriting stuff you've been finding and talking about those um, videos. I think those are so freaking cool. Yeah, dude. Did you watch the one I posted late last night? Yes. Did you watch it? Uh, I don't think so. So that's a YouTube channel that does all that stuff, right? Yeah, it's um, uh, Script to Screen. Yes, that's it. That's what it's called. And actually, I was talking to your brother Nick about it. I was telling him about that exact scene Mm -hmm. um, that I posted and then... I was went back and rewatched it because I'm like, man, this was just like done masterfully. But the scene in question um, was the opening scene, the teaser to *Inglorious Bastards*. Um, and I don't know the way that they scripted that. Yeah. Like how it was kind of so drawn out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they they didn't bore you with how drawn out it was. Like they kept it entertaining and like in that same sense built the suspense up right because you know you know there's some shit going on because in a movie 
specifically really nothing is done for no reason mm-hmm. there's always a point so like, right yeah they open the scene and this uh this nazi general gets out to this guy's house and you can see like the worry initially in their face and then they go inside and start like discussing it and you're just kind of waiting to see what's going to happen and then the camera shifts under the floorboards and you see that they're like Hiding uh, under there, you know what I mean? Oh right, yeah. Um, so then you're like, oh, well now I know what's going on, and then it just keeps building up from there. It's just, um, I'm not doing it justice, but justice, but the way it was done was just like masterful. That's awesome. Yeah. I just, you, it's cool to have like those really complex scenes, right? Yeah. That like, when you, when you're first watching it, you're kind of like, I don't get, like, what is this? Like, this is super drawn out for you, and you don't get the point. But then mm-hmm. when it pans like that, you're able to like right. really see it. But I think the the magic of the this particular video is like script to screen is they have the <clears throat> the actual like screen written text that the uh, the uh, the actors read to make the scene real and like being able to see that like scrolling version of it like as acted and as written mm-hmm. you get to see how the actors themselves are applying those scenes and making right. the emotions and all that stuff yeah, and how they interpret it yeah so. the interpretations of the actors and also the how the writers write these things right. yeah. to make these amazing scenes to be able to like it's probably like the best work like a work study kind of mm-hmm. thing that if someone who wants it to be a good screenwriter or turn like yeah. try their own hand at doing it you can really like look at this and like, oh shit! Like that's so, I don't know, it's just so cool to me to be able yeah. to like. It is a cool. I'm so glad that's a thing. Yeah, <laughs> me too. So like, how did like who like who would have thought? Like, yeah. like that's such a cool idea because you don't really get to pull back the curtain, right? Because right. like, most of us just, mm-hmm. just you just see the movie as it runs through, mm-hmm. and you don't really like it, you understand that it's written somewhere and there's a script and stuff right. like that, but you don't really think about that process yeah right because you, right. you don't see it so it's yeah. like out of sight out of mind type exactly thing. Um, well that's the magic of it too right <laughs> right and another thing is like even there may be a third aspect to it where the director may not write it. a lot of times they do mm-hmm. but sometimes the director doesn't write it so like the screenplay gets given to the director and the director interprets it and then after that the oh yeah actor interprets that. even further you know yeah what I mean? from, right. the, from a scene by scene basis yeah so when you can see that kind of hand in hand it's super cool yeah super cool thing um but yeah, I love watching those. Uh, Interstellar had a good one. Yeah. One I posted the other day. Um, there's one for the pilot episode of Breaking Bad, which is really good. What, um, what scene was that, just broadly? It was. It kind of encompassed the whole pilot episode. Oh, okay. So it was the first episode of Breaking Bad. But in that one, there's a guy who's breaking it down even further. So he's oh, talking okay. as, like, he let a piece play out. And mm-hmm. then he talks over and is like, oh, so this he is kind of commentary. Going on here. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's even cooler. But That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. That's so weird that, like, you know, there's, like, this niche media now that's developing with right. certain things. Like, I mean, this kind of even goes into, like, so today, so we're recording this on uh, 11-12, November 12th, and uh, Stanley has finally passed away. He's dead 95 years old, and, you know, it kind of shows, oh, yeah. like, stories, right? Like, it, people are, like, there's, there's a lot of sadness about Stanley passing away, but to me, it's, like, yeah, it's sad, but at the same time... Stan Lee is literally a legend in the sense that he's <clears throat> leaving behind how many characters he created? Like 12, at least 12 superheroes that are his own creations. But not only that, but the, the characters themselves transcend mm-hmm. him, oh, right? Yeah. You know, he, he put, a... he created them, but now they, they're going to be around forever. Yeah, he or, you know, created the universe. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, to me, it, it, that, I think that's what makes it special, right? Because even though Stan Lee is, is no longer going to be physically present, he, he took these things that were written and ideas, you know, on a page in like the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. and tr- transcended it all the way to the big screen. And now it's like the biggest film franchise ever 
you know? Right. <laughs> you know, all these heroes, he got to see them, you know, drawn on a paper for one at one time, and now half of them are being portrayed by real people as actors and stuff, you know? Like, yeah. I, I would say, like, Hugh Jackman is probably one of the biggest personifications of, of one of the superheroes, you know, with oh, yeah. Wol Wolverine, right? Absolutely. You know, he's able to take that character and create a realistic representation of it, you know, in, in on the big screen. And I think from any person who's a creator of something, you had to feel proud of that, you know? Oh, dude, that's a huge accomplishment. Right, I mean, like, even to just have it survive and become as popular as it was. Dude, for it to <laughs> thrive as much as it did, and then... Not even the movies, the Halloween costumes, right. the toys, the Lego sets. You know what I mean? Like just the, the just the whole spawn of it. And then not even that, but the the people who make fan art of all that stuff. Oh yeah. You know, like the the whole extra fan art where people just go really deep and like to make their own stuff about it. You know, mm -hmm. they're not even real comic book artists or whatever, but they're like, I just love this, so I'm gonna make my own and like become right. that hero kind of thing. Or we're talking to you, Rule Thirty Four people. <laughs> Oh God! I don't know what that is. <laughs> rule uh, rule thirty four. If if it exists, there's a porn for it. I wasn't going there, but oh, okay. <laughs> I wasn't going to go there. That's where my head was going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's where my head is always. Great. Dear God, always. Great. That's good. Yeah. That's how. It and is. that's how we start this off. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Stanley, for that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the porn, Stanley. <laughs> Spider Woman's the greatest. I mean, what? Oh no. Alright. <laughs> and that's why we bring Eric Gunn because he derails everything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like a train conductor, except I don't conduct. You just do your job I extremely just... poorly. <laughs> <laughs> or he does it really well if he means to, to just derail yeah. it. <laughs> um, I was gonna. Who? What was the first like superhero movie like that? You know what I mean? I think Spider-Man would have been the first one, but that was by Sony, so that no, wasn't Hulk, right? <gasps> Luke Ferrigno, in like the oh, 70s. Well, that, well yeah. But yeah, Adam West Batman. Yes. Too. Yeah, Bat Batman. Oh yeah, Adam the West Hulk. Batman. Yeah. I want, I'm trying to. I was like, what was the first one? Maybe a Superman movie, probably. You think so? Yeah. Probably. Most yeah. likely Superman, because he's been around the longest. Yeah. Oh, has super? I thought. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Superman was created in like the 30s. Oh really? Yeah. I thought Marvel was most. First, yeah, yes. no, mo most of DC was created like 30 years earlier than Spider-Man. Really? Yeah, but you can look at that. So like when you look at like how the characters are, mm -hmm. the the reason Marvel decided like started getting more traction than DC is that the characters of of DC are pretty morally black and white. Right. Right. You know, like Superman, he doesn't have like a complex character development. Right. Mm -hmm. He's Clark Kent, and who's just this you know, wears yeah. sunglasses and does whatever. And then he's Superman and he's super, you know, he just yeah. does everything well. Right. And, you know, the the only one I would say that's probably the least morally gray, but that's more of like a newer interpretation of it is Batman. Right. right? Whereas like all the heroes that are from Marvel have more story, right? Where there's interplay between who that person is and who they are in the costume, mm. right? Like the, the Tony Stark, at least in the comic books, is he's an alcoholic as oh. Tony Stark. But he's also, you know, he has to, that idea where he's kind of similar to Batman where he's a billionaire but he makes these insane technology and wears the suit and becomes mm. this you know bigger than himself kind of thing mm. but they all like almost all of the heroes in Marvel have internal battles and demons right. that they're trying to get over I mean like Spider-Man is probably the most recognizable with you know his uncle getting killed you know mm. and the great right. power comes great responsibility <clears throat> and then on top of that Spider-Man is unique because he was younger than any other superhero up until that point uh, really? Yeah, most superheroes were about 30s, like adultish. Yeah, yeah. And Spider-Man came in, and he was a high schooler. Huh. And the demographic at that point was 
kids. I mean, like high schoolers were like reading it. So right. it really spoke to people at that level and to be able to be like, oh, wow, like he's a normal dude, but he's like he's dealing with all these normal problems. But then he's also this hero at the mm-hmm. same time. And he's trying to balance what it's like to be a normal person and then be a superhero and, you know, hold that responsibility to a higher level. Right. Right. And it's really complex realistically <laughs> and i mean that was always one thing that resonated with me is the the story of peter parker more than spider-man because it was like it, it wasn't just like spider-man was the guy it was it was you know peter parker was what added that extra level to spider-man that created it right. as this whole image right you we were kind of talking about this before because i was actually playing the spider-man ps4 game of yeah. like cre- the creation of new heroes now like miles morales mm-hmm. who's the who's a new interpretation of spider-man and you know, when I first heard of that, I was like, that's weird, right? Because I'm so used to Peter Parker and Spider-Man. They're, you know, one and the same, right. right? And so when you start, when you take Peter Parker out of the equation, I'm like, that's weird. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't feel right to me a little right. bit. And so, it, it, but then, you know, once you get into it and you kind of like listen to the stories, you're kind of like, oh, okay. Like you can feel like the, the thematic stuff yeah. where, where they're, they're hitting on the same notes kind mm-hmm. of, but they're kind of updating it to a newer... Right. Uh, newer audience because a lot of these things are old like I was saying yeah which I think that's a big thing why they even made Miles Morales is because yeah. of like the culture switching and yes. people were kind of pinpointing the fact where it's like oh a lot of the heroes kind of are the same you yeah know what I mean like if you really boil it down it's like it's kind of the I same I mean when you think about it thing. the demographic of that these heroes were created around which I don't think it was like intentional but back in like the 60s, 70s or so where they were created it was kind of like, well, who's who's going to read a comic book? You know, it's created in the United yeah. States. I think it was an affected <laughs> byproduct of the kind of shitty situation. Yeah, that, it really is. You know, was going on back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of just how, like, the general outlook on things were. Yeah. Um, and now that that's changing and even kind of like, it's kind of like all hitting the fan. You know, right, like, yeah. You think about it now, especially with like... Um, I mean, social media plays into it, but not to go on that tangent again. But um, <laughs> um, how all that's kind of changing. So they were like, okay, we're either going to fall off or yeah. we're going to adapt. And so I think that's where that came from. Yeah, I mean, I think um, it, and I think too, it's like realizing that these characters aren't beholden to what they were. Right. You know, yeah. they, they can still play with the same themes, but it doesn't mean that they can't update them to see. Because exactly. I because I think too, is that what Marvel does well is they, they let their writers and their artists have a lot of freedom in playing with the characters and taking them to new levels. Right. Because, like, even though, like, so I read the comic books for Spider-Man still to this day, and even though they've changed quite quite a bit, you still get that sense that, oh, this is Spider-Man. And right. the stories don't really match up to the comp- like to the actual movies anymore because the movies are more down to the roots and the bare bones of it. Mm-hmm. You know, but you really get a better sense of what you would expect, I guess, is like, just from, like, them being able to tell better stories. If right. that makes sense, right? Because it's it really feels like stories now, and and it's like really hits on kind of complex themes, but it's just written in a format that's like picture based, right? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it, you, you know you kind of if you, if the way I read it, it's like it's almost like a movie, right? You know, you're <clears throat> p- piecing together different stories, and it mm-hmm. can be pretty visceral too. Like there are certain stories, you know, that they've done in the past where it's like Spider Man, you know, h- helps little kids who have like cancer or something, or you know, kind of right. letting. Like, the, one of the issues that I always talk about is right around 9-11, they came out with a Spider-Man issue that's called The Black Issue. And it was basically a black and white cover. And it was at, right after 9-11, so it was like all the superheroes went to go help after the two towers fell. 
but instead of highlighting what the heroes could have done in that situation, it was the writers and the the draw the artists drew it is that the heroes were supporting the first responders already there. And it wasn't that the heroes were the ones that were the real heroes. It was the people who were everyday heroes, mm-hmm. that the ones that make differences. And it was like that at the end of the uh, at the end of it, there's this picture of um, all of the firemen and the flag, you know, and the, like the one the famous photos you'd see. And then they're all in front, and all the heroes are lined up behind them, like Hulk and Spider Man and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it's like one of those like that's really powerful stuff, right? It is powerful. You know, it's awesome. Because it the really Hulk would be the last person I want there. <laughs> we really don't need you. <laughs> but yeah, you know, when you have those kind of things, it's cool. Like even the, like when Barack Obama was uh, inaugurated as president, they had a Spider-Man issue with Barack Obama as in a comic book. Hmm. Yeah. That's that's pretty cool. Interesting. That yeah, that. and I have these all upstairs. So I should really take pictures of some because they're kind of cool. Like I don't, I forget about them because I just have so many at this point. But right. it's like, are I, the stories linear or do, are they kind of like some of them? Some of them connect and are linear and stuff. They have overarching stories, but mm-hmm. for the most part, you kind of pick up. You just kind of start where you want to, and then oh, okay. if you want to keep following along, and you can always go back and they'll like. They'll kind of make them into like manga esque chapters after a while, where it's like mm-hmm. they'll put like ten books together, ten singular issues together, and make them into a longer format book that encapsulate a section cool. of time. Okay. But like it's kind of just pick a hero you find interesting and then just start reading because because mm-hmm. there's so like they're they're really like running totals like multiple hundreds of issues for certain comic books and right. stuff like that. Yeah, and they, that's insane. And they restart every so often. Like Spider Man's restarted from one multiple times recently. Yeah, I was say, how many times has he died? Yeah, I mean, plus there's like alternate universe kind of things. So yeah, I was gonna say they got the whole Spider Verse. Yeah, so Spider Verse is going on right now, and Spider Verse to me is like kind of like the coolest thing ever because it's like (laughs) the the idea of what if there were different like it's the idea of the multiverse, right? So there's like string theory. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of just multiple like versions of you in the world or in, in a on a separate world, right? And so they have like Spider Man as if he were a punk rocker, and so. He's wearing. He's an anarchist. When you like learn more about him, and he, he, he's not even Peter Parker. He's actually like a guy named Hobby Brown, but he's still Spider Man. And then he's like, plays a guitar and stuff like that. But they all kind of have the same themes of Peter Parker in some way. And then they have like a different universe where Gwen Stacy became Spider Man or Spider Gwen, and Peter Parker died. And yeah, like, these really weird ones are those like um, different time periods of Spider-Man. So there's a Spider-Man noir. So he's a Spider-Man from 1920s, and he wears all black. <laughs> That's awesome. He wears all blacks, and he's a little bit he's a little bit more gray, morally darker. Where he's oh, he has a gun and he shoots people. He's, oh, he's not damn. afraid of killing people. <laughs> So yeah. he's not even but he just wears a spider suit and has a gun. It doesn't go. No, it's like black and white. You actually can see it in this game. I can show it to you. Really? Yeah. yeah like so, that's Spider-Man Noir, and then they have. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Like, there's some other weirder ones where Doctor Octopus has got a new clone body where he's like a genetic hybrid of Peter Parker and Doctor Octopus. So he's the superior octopus now. It's really weird. <laughs> it's kind of weird, but it's kind of cool at the same time because yeah. like, the cloning technology stuff is really strange but awesome at the same time. Like there's a there's a female Peter Parker, that's like her name's Peter. No, I forget her name. Hi, I'm Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I forget her name, but she's like technically his clone, but uh, it's a clone of Peter, but she's female. Yeah, it's, see, like I said, this whole clone yeah. thing gets real, real squirrely, real yeah. quick. I'm gonna be honest, like, man. If if cloning technology actually becomes don't a even, thing, don't I'm, even go here. I'm not gonna clone myself. Dude. Yeah. There can only be one. Yeah, I'm, gonna have, I'm gonna have children, and that's about it. Yeah, we do not need more than one. Eric Herrera. 
We definitely do oh. need more than one Eric Carrera, but I don't think it'll happen. <laughs> but yeah, like, just to me, like, I mean, obviously you guys know how much I enjoy Spider-Man as, as a story. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just wanted to say a little bit about the, just that, like, you know, one of the things I always, like, got really into is if you ever wanted to, like, the proverbial, like, live forever is to tell your story. Right. You know? <laughs> and the a person like Stan Lee, even though his characters are changing and adapting all the time, mm-hmm. a little part of him is living on in every one of those characters. Right. And forever. No matter what. Right. That's why I think storytelling is so cool. That's yeah. I'm, like, getting so more into it than I was, like, ever. Yeah, I know. I, I'm, I feel the same way. Yeah. <laughs> it's so... Especially if you do it well and it, like, mm-hmm. and it... Like resonates with people, like it's gonna live forever. You know? Right. I mean, that's. I mean, that's the point too. Is like it's kind of like magical. Like how many of these heroes that were created, and somehow they resonated. Mm-hmm. You know, right. they're yeah. still around today, and they've been been around for almost a hundred years at this point. Like it's crazy. Right. Yeah, and I think that's why Spider Man's as big as it is because it was super like relatable. Yeah. Like it was like such a always oh, have an issue with girls. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, every kid in high school had that issue. Yeah, every kid in high school had that issue, you know what I mean? mean? So it's like... Yeah. You, you was trying to exclude yourself on that one, huh, weren't you? <laughs> yeah. You had trouble, didn't you? Don't lie. I mean, I, I, sw- I swear to God, I remember when I was real little, I'd be, I'd like read the comic books, I'm like, man, when am I going to get power so I can be cool? Mm. Like, seriously, like, yeah. I remember, like, just being like, man, this kind of sucks. Who, kn- who didn't want to be freaking Spider-Man? <laughs> no, I mean, like, yeah, right. Spider-Man just, like, just be better, like, just be bigger than who I was kind of thing, you know? No, I feel you. It, wouldn't, it wasn't just, like, to be Spider-Man specifically, but that would have been cool because then you get the girl and then... <laughs> like, I was like, when's Barbara Head going to show up? <laughs> Speaking of the memes, by the way, for Spider-Man is the, the Kirsten Dunst... Uh, oh, yeah. The, the, it, it's, it's why like the a, first two Spider-Mans were the best. Yeah, and it oh, shows wow. Kirsten Dunst in the rain with her... Uh, what top? Her, yeah. Yeah, wet tops, nipples poking out, and everything. I was like, Jesus Christ! That's the only reason for the Spider-Man movies were good. People have too much time. That's what I. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Like, I don't know. It's just cool. Like, storytelling has been one of those things. Like, and then ever whenever I think about like what like I think propelled like superheroes back onto the map for like people being able to like take them seriously again, because I think most of the superhero movies in like the early two thousands, late nineties were kind of eh. You know, lackluster. Yeah, some were good, some were again. Yeah. Yeah, but I think really what changed it was Dark Knight for for Batman. The, oh, for sure. The reimagining oh, yeah. of Batman, because I think what it did is it, it took itself seriously enough, mm-hmm. right? You know, because I think a lot of people assumed that the demographic of the superheroes and stuff <clears throat> was for children. Right. You know, and when you took Dark Knight and you said, okay, superheroes can be an adult themed, right? right? And you can be. And then it can be serious, and you can really delve deep into, like, psychological things and, and kind of mm-hmm. understanding what's working at play here, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, at the end of the day, what what is Batman? It's fear, right? right? His big motivator is fear, right? And so what he does is he becomes this this symbol for fear. But he instead of turning it, like, he, he had, was traumatized as a little boy, mm-hmm. and so he knows what fear is like, right? But then his parents were killed because of crime and so he becomes a symbol for to to stand up against crime by being their source of fear right create fear (laughs) and it's you know and you can go really deep on that and like how you know there's always this weird kind of thing that comes into play is like when you create a symbol of a higher moral standpoint 
there's always has to be a, a counterbalance to those things. Right. Otherwise, it's mm-hmm. not interesting. And right. Entertainment <laughs> sense, but yeah. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's also weird as, like, how it just makes sense, like, that you need a an ever, a, a, like, ever-increasing goal mm-hmm. to, to, to fight against or be your adversary to right. be pushing you to your limits kind of thing, right? I think that's why I think that's why the Joker as a, as a, as a villain is so compelling to yeah. people. Actually, oh, yeah, dude. He's, <laughs> in, in, in my eyes, he's one of the most, I would say, complex and just fucked up villains. Yes. I was looking for books, like, recently. I was trying to, like, find, like, psychological books, like, analyzing the character of the Joker. Yeah, it's nihilism for sure. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just was, like, super fascinated, and, like, because I really want to talk about these ideas of, like, storytelling and superhero stuff because I think they I think some people brush them under the rug in not being complex storytelling mediums which is fair because some which is, really are which is fair right. which is definitely fair but I just still think there's a lot to be gained from like certain ones like obviously you can't say like certain heroes are really complex right. all the time but right. <laughs> I mean right. like the Hulk you could say he's kind of complex like you can kind of take that Jekyll and Hyde reinterpretation of the character which it really is Pretty much. But, but I mean, I don't know if you can really go to the same level as, like, the character of, like, the Joker or something, because yeah, the character itself and then how it's portrayed in the movies really adds that extra layer to it. Yeah. The, you know? So, um, it's funny we bring this up, but I was watching a video the other day that broke down the Joker. Oh, really? On, on YouTube. I forgot. Man, it's, I hate when I do this. I forgot who... I'll find it, and then we can, like, tag it in here mm-hmm. or something, but, um... He effectively broke down why the Joker works so well. Okay. And it basically came down that it was the perfect villain for Batman because he had no real goal. Yeah. And Batman, again, his thing was fear. And the, jo- and the Joker wasn't afraid of anything because his goal was just to tear down like ba- what Destruction. Batman wanted to yeah. build. Yeah. But other than that, like, he didn't want money. It was nothing tangible that he wanted. Yeah. So, like, there was nothing that could have been that could be taken from him. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like the perfect... Right, yeah, because no, there's no... Fe- he couldn't yeah. make him be afraid. Yeah, there was, he couldn't instill anything. And since he wasn't going to kill him, that's why he was able to just yeah. run around him and like toy with him, you know what I mean? Yeah. And toy with him to the point where he made... Um, how did they put it? They effectively... He effectively crippled Batman in the part where... And I'm not trying to... I'm not worried about spoiling this. You yeah, I mean, it's it been now. a long time. It's been <laughs> yeah, a long time. You definitely should have seen it by now. <laughs> yeah. But the part where he tricks Batman into saying, like, oh, like, this is where um, Rachel is, and this is where... Harvey is, Harvey right. Is, yeah, and, and he switches the, it. The, the um, paradox of right, choice there. Right, knowing that Batman, he's going to be selfish there. And, like, you know what I mean? When he's supposed to not be that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a super, super well-done breakdown of how the Joker yeah. works. Yeah. Um, and how his nihilism is just, like, the way that he has no backstory. Like, you know nothing about Yeah, you don't know anything about who he is. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Because cool, it's like, there's so many questions that you have, but then they keep repeating, like, the theme that, like, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter to him, so none of it matters. You know yeah. What I mean? Well, crazy. plus, like, too, when they, like, building his character, he, like, gives three different stories of how he got the scars and mm-hmm. things like that. Right. He just, like, makes it up, right? Like, right. So it's like, is that what happened? Is there, like, something in between? You don't, yeah. you don't hey. know. But it does, it's like, again, it doesn't matter. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. I, I thought, like, you know, the, the portrayal of that character is, is so... I mean, it really just... It flies in the face for everything that you'd expect as a villain, right? Normally, villains are pretty one-dimensional, in what they do, right? They're just plotting and scheming guy. and bad yeah. guy, right? But is that that level of bad guy is he's t- just totally like a checkerboard, right? Mm-hmm. 
he just does all these different things and like I think the way they showed it in that movie just really encapsulated just how like what evil is <laughs> you know because he's like working against all of the the crime bosses and burning all their money and right. like you know and just playing the game from both ends in some way right and it you know and then at the same point he's like he's like trying to prove an example mm -hmm. of he's like you know people even even your brightest star can be bad kind of thing you know yeah. you know mm -hmm. creating two-face and like forcing you know that shift in right. people, right? And to being like, even though it's like, even though you think you could like hang up the cape, right? And, and Batman, the city won't need you anymore, kind mm -hmm. of thing. And being like, you're wrong, right? Right. Because because yeah. not everyone has the the strength of whatever mental fortitude, I, I guess, would be the yeah. or the code of ethics. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, B Batman's one rule is he don't kill people, right? And mm -hmm. even given the chance, he still didn't do it. Right. <laughs> right. Um. And that's what's cool about it. another cool thing that kind of plays into that whole idea is in the and Christopher Nolan like just nailed it. Yeah, like, you know what I mean. Like he just like damn <laughs> like, yeah. when he wrote this. But in the first scene, again, um, the teaser scene in Batman and Batman: The Dark Knight, um, they don't show the Joker, but they allude to him. Mm -hmm. So they keep alluding to his character, like talking about oh the boss, this that, and another. Um, and then when it's this big reveal happens, you know what I mean? Then he ends up killing his whole crew. So it's like, all right, so what was the point of any of that? So it kind of leads oh, to that yeah. question, right, you know what I mean? Right. So, like, from when he's first introduced, it's kind of like, what? Yeah. What's what this was, guy on about? Yeah, you like, know what I mean? Yeah. So they just do a good job of, like, building this. Actually, that's a really out. good point because I think what, what's happening now, at least in movies, is they the trailers themselves show too much. Absolutely, yes. You know, where it shows too much of the major plot points that you're like, well, I'm glad I saw the movie already. Right. Like, <laughs> I, I think it kind of just removes some of the suspension of disbelief a mm -hmm. little bit where you're just like, well, I kind of think I just saw the whole movie or at least the worth, mm -hmm. <laughs> worth remembering. Or the thrill factor. Like with yeah. Venom, I think they shouldn't have showed, to me, if I were to craft that trailer, I wouldn't have showed Venom. No, you should not have. Yeah. Like you should maybe show like the scenes where he just like, you get a glimpse of the face or yeah. something, like, right. but never show the like whole the silhouette. Whole, yeah, they like showed so much. They showed the last scene of the movie, you know, yeah. in, in the trailer. And right. Like, Why would they do that? Yeah. I don't know. It was... I mean, whatever. It is what it is. I know, it is yeah, at this point. Yeah. But, but it's kind of like, you know, because I've been doing so much writing now and trying to, it's it's like show, don't tell is mm -hmm. really the, the the key to things. Like, yeah. when I do my writing, it's like you really want to add words, like really and, and actually, or like these kind of like flavor words that like sound good because you talk those words, right? Mm -hmm. But you, when you re, like read them, it's like you're adding piece of paper. It's you, just filler. Yeah, it's just right. filler words exactly. And so you're like, does that word really need to be there? No. Mm -hmm. Like the sentence, this is when you make it more concise and trim the fat. It's just better yeah. that way, right? It's better raw. Yeah. <laughs> if you can, the way I look at it is, if you can take it out, and it still makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Then you don't need it. You know yeah. What I, mean? mm -hmm. I, I had to just had this conversation at work where I was like, hey, you know, your, your writing is good, but like some of it can just be refined where you're trying to like say things more in intelligently than necessary because mm -hmm. it's like you know you're trying to write for a specific audience or whatever but I'm right. like at the end of the day if like if it just sounds better to just say it pl plainly than just say it that way right. <laughs> yeah. a lot of people get well I won't say a lot of people but some people get fixated on trying to sound more intelligent in their writing no I think I think that's just common because I think people think it's because writing is taught formally more often they, mm -hmm. d they try to be more right. eloquent but, than necessary I guess would right. be the word yeah. but a lot of times I feel like it's you're doing yourself a disservice especially mm -hmm. it depends on what 
the end goal is. Right, like yeah. Like, if you're making a research paper. Well, then yeah, then there's a certain verbiage and right. tone you have to take. Right, but if you're trying to write a story, or even if you're doing, like, just say, like, a general blog post or something yeah. like that, like, you don't need to, yes, do it if it makes sense and it kind of flows. Yeah. But, like, sometimes it gets all over the place, and it's like, dude, the general reader isn't going to know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. You're going <laughs> to lose that, you know yeah. what I mean? So you kind of find, you have to find a middle ground, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, I think you kind of, like... The way I write, or at least I think is the best way to think about it, is, like, what would interest me? Mm-hmm. And, like, think of your tone in that sense. Like, how would do I need to write that's going to capture my own atten- like, attention? You mm-hmm. know, because, cause, yeah, we're, we're all unique, but there's, like, you know, 10,000 people in the world. You know, and there's a, not even 10,000. There's at least 1,000 other people that are going to think like you in some form. Right. Right? And so if you'd write for, you know, those 1,000 clones of you, you're going to get a, a reader base. Right. You know? And I think that's the, probably the most healthy way of looking at it because if you over overcomplicate it and thinking about like I need to write a certain way or mm-hmm. I need to write over generally like you know to try and be you know a New York Times bestseller or something, you wind up watering down I think your perspective in some way because you're you're not true to yourself then mm-hmm. you're trying to you know reach a demographic right, <laughs> right, right exactly it's like, it's like knowing your audience while not. Caring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's kind of like the dichotomy of like, as you get more famous about a particular area, you start reaching more people. So it's you get more input from other people, right? Mm-hmm. To like, here's your audience, right? You know, you get people starting to say, oh, this is what you should be doing, right? Whereas it, you know, when you first start out doing anything, you're just doing what you like, right? And then you just yeah. happen. Other people are like, oh, that's really cool, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. And then they start listening. But yeah. then you, once you start getting too much input, you have to really be able to to separate from that signal versus noise kind yeah, of and know who you are <clears throat> yeah exactly because if you don't that's when you start you lose it right <laughs> lose yourself get crazy you know what I mean yeah like yeah. we were talking about Kanye before this yeah I feel like yeah. 100% of what happened now, for sure I think you know he is his persona almost at this point right yeah he I mean he became I, I've said this time and time again but like he just got lost in the celebrity of himself right that's, oh yeah that's, to me, that's what it is. I mean, it's a sad thing to see because I think he is actually a really freaking intelligent person. Yeah. It's like, when he talks, I don't know if you guys feel this, but when he talks and starts going on his tangents, like, you're like, oh, oh, he's on to something. Oh, that makes sense. And then it's just like something happens. And, and he's it just like, explodes. Oh, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Yeah. like, wait, what are you talking about? <laughs> he makes one point too far and you're like, wait, hold on, you lost me. Yeah. Like, and it's like, and he jumps from point to point. So, yeah. like, it's Abruptly. like sporadic. Yeah. And it's like, wait, what? You were just talking about politics. And I, you, know, you know what I mean? He's just all yeah. over the place. So, I'm like, I don't know, I'm like, there's something there where, like, he is intelligent, but, I don't know, I feel like, I feel like he needs to take a step He definitely is lost in his persona. Yeah. I would agree with that. Absolutely. He needs to, I would like to see him take a step back and just kind of remove himself, like, pull a Dave Chappelle type thing. (laughs) Yeah, I was just about to say, go off the grid for a couple years, find yourself. Like, if you think about it, right, so, like, a person like Dave Chappelle, I think, is a perfect example of being able to manage, um expectation in some way right yeah so i listened to a podcast it's um it's the title of it's called what really happened and so it's these like investigative journalism put into a podcast format that's cool and so it was the episodes called citizen chappelle and so what happened is i think chappelle was filming his second special on um comedy central this is back in the early 2000s i want to say around there and he just went off grid he just left and went to, I think, South Africa or something like that. Yeah. And everyone thought he was, like, checking himself into rehab and mm-hmm. doing all this crazy stuff. He was, like... And then he, like, after a while, he kind of came back and he's, like, you know what? I... He's, like, I just didn't want to deal with 
the public perception, you right. know, because because that first season he it went over, you know, the Dave Chappelle show was like a hit, right? Mm. And then he was like filming the new one, and like he just didn't feel like he could, you know, hold up to the the standard that he was living, right? And it was kind of like the question they posed at the end was like, do things need to always have a season two, right? Could mm-hmm. you know, could could you just let things go out in a blaze of glory and be like, hey, the first one was good. You left it where what it is. That I just made a huge <laughs> gesture, but that's exactly how I feel about fucking Breaking Bad because they're making a sequel. I just oh, heard about yeah, that. Sequel yeah, movie. I don't know how I feel about that, man, because I'm like, dude, it ended so fine, you know great. Like, they're, Capstone did. Hardcore. Yeah, so I'm so nervous they're going to mess it up. And I like Vince Gilligan's a great writer, so like I doubt it'll be terrible. Um, yeah, but sometimes it's like, does, is it necessary, right? Exactly, and it's like, not. Is there, yeah. is there more to tell than this story, right? Because <clears throat> yeah. I think I think in this day and age, we get so sucked up into, like, oh, everything needs a sequel. Right. Everything needs a number, a number two or three, franchise it, right? Bam. Make it, you know, and everyone gets the money signs in their fucking eyeballs because yeah. they're like... <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm so- I want to take a quick second and talk about how you can support our show. I believe this is the most honest way that I can connect with you, the listener, and put it in front of everyone. You can support our show for as little as 99 cents a month. We release four podcasts a month, all at an average length of about an hour. That means you are supporting us at just 25 cents an hour. That's that's cheaper than the dollar menu. I think it's safe to say that we provide more value than that. And if you learn anything from our content, please consider becoming a supporter today with the link in the description of any episode or on the website at feedingcuriosity.net. And with that, thanks for listening, and please enjoy the show. Dude, right? No, like, yeah, you are. It's like, just... like uh, your favorite movie is The Warriors, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Imagine if they made a sequel. Oh, bro, I would I would literally stand at the fucking theater and be like, don't even watch it. No, you're wasting your money. Stop. <laughs> yeah. Stop. Like, Stop. Just give me the 20 bucks. I'll show you the real Warriors. <laughs> like... I don't know. Sometimes it's just nice for things to end. Like the Lord of the Rings series, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know if that's a sequel or if they're just redoing it. I don't really understand. Yeah, they're doing a TV show on yeah. Amazon. Do you and know? So, I don't really know, actually. I, that's a good point. I know, I'm, I'm assuming it'll probably be like the movie's redone, but in a TV show yeah, format. See it. Like that may be cool because you can see it in a different light, but like and yeah, it would have a different. You know? It would be longer. Like it would be way longer than the movie because the movie is like the movie's already long. Right, <laughs> but it would be, be longer in the sense like the you know they can draw it out like a lot Game more. of Thrones. Right, they're, mm-hmm. they're able to show more of the story because more they got of, yeah. one hour episodes the story for ten episodes. You know, right. so so one season is like ten hours long versus one movie is three hours long. Right, right for Lord of the Rings and they're encapsulating a book that's like six hundred pages. Yeah, right. My only thing is I think the the essence of the Lord of the Rings movies, I'm not counting the Hobbit movies in this either because I don't think they are very true to the actual representation the of, of, of the book, of the books themselves. Mm-hmm. But the Lord of the Rings movie, I think, were pretty close to what the books represent themselves as. Did you read them? Yeah. You did? Oh, yeah. I've read both of, all of them multiple times at this point. And Lord of the Rings is one of those things that's kind of close to me it's, mm-hmm. it, from a storytelling t- thing, too. Yeah. And... Um, I, I just get worried about how they're going to portray things because I think certain people like myself are used to a certain style and aesthetic of how they portray them that I don't know like how they're going to do it um, from the like from whatever aesthetic and like redo it right that's going to yeah. make that's not going to alienate people in mm-hmm. some way because because we're used to you know seeing it and I'm pointing over because I have shelves of the of the movies next to us mm-hmm. and um, 
you know, because I mean, we're used to certain view, right? Like, and I think, Legolas, I think, you know, yeah. Orlando Bloom, and I it's, think it's one. It's not that old. No. And two, it was so well done. Well done and huge. Yeah. That it, like it still has an impact on a lot of people. Like, oh I, yeah. Right. I meet people um, just at work. Um, one of our coworkers, mine and Alex's, has a Lord of the Rings tattoo. Yeah. Um, two of my other coworkers. Had also had tattoos so like it's still impactful it's not yeah. like it's it was done 80 years ago and now it's like oh time for the right. m- maybe that's a little exaggerated right you're, yeah you are still what was that like 10 years ago yeah was I was gonna say 2010 maybe around there yeah so like that it's still kind of it's new-ish in some yeah senses, you know what I mean so that's why I'm like I'm like they're redoing it already I mean, yeah. you, I mean you go into any Walmart or any place that sells DVDs, they're still not fully stocked on the shelves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think part of that is is too is because of how big Game of Thrones became. As oh a, yeah, ac- yeah, that's true. As an accidental sensation, right? Mm-hmm. Because Game of Thrones is even newer in, <clears throat> in the fantasy genre than Lord of the Rings was. Like Lord right. of the Rings was written right after, right around World War Two ish. That's an old book, right? It's pretty old. Yeah. And I mean, so then this kind of goes back to the to writing for yourself kind of mm-hmm. thing. Tolkien didn't write. Lord of the Rings for anyone but himself. Right. He he wrote it and never expected to get it published. Never expected anyone to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And hated. I don't even think he, he probably would have said it would have been impossible to make a movie of it. Right. Because did he, did, sorry to interrupt. No, no, did he good. do it chronologically or did he do Lord of the Rings and then The Hobbit? Hobbit was know? first. Hobbit. He did do The Hobbit first. Hobbit was first. Because yeah. Okay. So The Hobbit is interesting because when you read the book. You, you as you read the book, you get this sense of his the way he writes his prose mm-hmm. is is evolving and adapting toward the end. Huh. So it's writing out like the initial phases of the book. It really is is a little bit more rough, and then huh. by the end of the book, you really get this more like adult. Set, it's like he's figured out his voice so, yeah, in like a better learning way. As yeah, it's, that's it's, kind of, that's really it's cool. really interesting. Yeah, nice. And like because like when I first read it, and I, this was a long time ago now, but like when I first read it, I was having a hard time getting through the book. And then by the end of the book, I'm like, oh my god! Like, like I could really start to feel the the characters and the essence right. of it. Came full circle. Yeah, and then because then then that first book, Hobbit, translates right into the Lord of the Rings series. Mm. And then simultaneously, he was writing the the overarching mythology, which is Similarin, or Similarillion. And so that book, that. yeah. So that's that's his like quote unquote masterpiece book, and like the mm. the world building of Lord of the Rings of oh. Middle Earth. Oh, so yeah. like all the lore and everything. Oh, so shit. so that book is written like a Greek mythology, and it starts out with like how the world was created and how and that and it flows like in prose and it transforms. So it's like all of these different like plot points and like major life like world events that are stitched together. To, to build the world of Middle Earth. See, why don't they do a show on that? Yes, that yeah, would be that would do it. Right? No, and it's freaking amazing too because it's like written, like I said, like Greek mythologies where they do these demigods and there's like mm. the god of the hunt and there's like how the dwarves are created and how the elves are created. And they're like the first people and the gods that were the close. They were the ones that were closest to the son of the gods basically, and they were the you know the, the children of you know immortality and they could they were treated by the gods as like their own kin kind of thing. And huh. then there's like this whole idea of like kinslaying and how the world it develops and like evil enters the world and how the trolls and orcs are created it's just really it's a really elaborate story when you start getting into how like when you think about this was all created by one person right and it's kind of like a theme of it's it's like a theme of this right like how did stan lee create all these superheroes and like how did tolkien create this crazy world right that Mm -hmm. spans you know hundreds of thousands of years right right and you know, he, he was one of those persons, too, that he hated allegory. 
he hated it. Yeah. He did like whenever mm. he he puts footnotes in the in everything he wrote. And he says, for for any of those who see allegory in anything I write, it was not there by the intention of the author. Huh. <laughs> like he's he's t- he says it funny. straight up front because he because he, he lived through World War Two and things like that, and so people like to like look and see like oh he wrote this because he's alluding he alluding to something. Yeah, like yeah. he was saying something about how he was like he saw like tanks show up on battlefields and yeah. stuff like that, you know and. I'm sure it was there because it made an impact on him. Was he a soldier? Yes. He oh. served. I don't know that. Yeah, he's, oh, wow. from, he's from England. But he, he never really got to fight. He got, um, I don't remember what, he got sick on the battlefield and then he was medically discharged, discharged basically because he was, I, I want to say yellow fever or something like that. I forget which one it was. I don't think he'd get that in. No, I don't remember what it was, but yeah. it was it was life-threatening basically. Definitely right. before penicillin. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so he, he got, you know, he, he got these things, but he would get stories of people that he knew who got killed and things like that. And then he, he also had a love for language from a very young age and taught himself many languages, <clears throat> but also created his own. Yeah, literally. And, and so if you go into the appendices of all of his books, you can read how to read and write Elvish. Yeah, isn't there a way, like, you can actually talk? Yeah. Like, you can speak Yeah, it? he has the phonemes of it, all of it. It's freaking crazy. That's it, insane. And it shows just how much he thought about how to implement these things, right? Right. And it's like, to, to even, to go from one level to create, you know, these races, but then to create the languages of what those people speak, right? Yeah. And then there's poems in the book that are written in those languages that you can read. Huh. <laughs> Dude, that's like it's so next layers level. deep. I know, Jesus and that's Christ. why you know I could talk about this all day, every day, because I just love this stuff. Yeah. And he had no help with this. No, that's incredible. You know, <laughs> like, that's like he used certain things like Beowulf and like some yeah. of the archetypal like old old old, yeah. old 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 English stuff. Right. Because like one of the things he said that was like, or people think was a a motivating factor for him is because he's from England, right? But England's world history is is very sporadic, where people have, um, there's a whole bunch of different times in England where they take over in certain areas, or certain crowns are controlling that area. So, like, sometimes there's the French that are ruling, and sometimes there's, like, a, a Celtic ruler or something, you know what I mean? Like, there's always this, there's never a cohesive history. And so what he wanted to do is create a history that was this cohesive story that transitioned into the modern era and create that backstory for his for his homeland in some way. And it gets pretty deep. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And I mean, then, the, like the other part is, is he did put himself into the stories. Um, really? Yeah. So one of the stories that he wrote for the Similarin, and then has just so his son Christopher Tolkien, they still old manuscripts of stuff that his he's written, but were never finished. And so his son has been finding the old manuscripts and then editing them and creating them into somewhat semblance of a story and then being able to publish them as their own books in longer entireties than that were appeared into the Sumerian. And so the one story is called the Baron and Luthien. And so Baron is the first man and Luthien was a uh, elven princess. And he saw this elf in the woods and Baron was like, you know, entranced, you know, love and first sight kind of thing. But he's a man, and so when you you can't just marry an elven princess when mm. you're just a, yeah. a man, right? A mere mortal, right? Exactly. <laughs> like seriously, right? So the so he had to go to the, the the king and try and figure out. And so there's the the reason it's called the Simurin is that there's these jewels and they look like stars. They're perfectly crafted, and when the light hits them, they they're dazzling beauty, and the entire world wants them basically. And they were created by the sons of Feanor and. Is that Feanor- the necklace? Yeah. Okay. It's similar to that, yeah. Okay. It's very similar to that. Yeah. But they're, like, bigger. They're, like, about palm-sized, and they're very bright, and there's, like, 
three of them. Hmm. And um, so everyone wanted those, and, and one of them was being held by Melkor, and he's like this evil demigod, basically. And so he, the, the king of the elves gives him an impossible goal, and he's like, you need to go and sneak in. So this is, got, this is the guy who created Sauron, basically. Like, Sauron was one of his lieutenants. <laughs> and so he created, like, he gave him the goal, and he's like, okay, you can, have, you can marry my daughter if you go in there and you get one of these Similarins back. Huh. You know? And so it's, like, it's kind of like the Lord of the Rings in right. some way, where right. you get, take this impossible goal, and you have to see it through to the end. And he did it for love, <laughs> kind of. And by the end of it, like, he, he almost dies and he loses a hand. And, you know, and he he describes a scene of when he meets Luthien for the first time. And it's, like, this bed of flowers and it's, like, the light is coming through the trees and stuff. And he's the way he describes it, it says that that's what it looked like when he met his wife. Wow, really? Yeah. And so that scene he describes... That's actually pretty nice. And so on, on their gravestones, it says... Baron and Luthien. That's he, freaking cool. Yeah. Oh man, my heart just melted. <laughs> I know, dude. And yeah. it's like, like stories like that, man. It's like, like again, I'm getting a little yeah. goosebumps because when you hear the stories, because like he goes on this impossible mission and he <clears throat> she finds out about it and like her dad, um, like imprisoned her and like locked her in a tower, kind of like Rapunzel style. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he's like, you can't. He's like, you can't go after him. You can't like help him in any way. And so she escapes and then goes and like saves him. And they, so they become this team, right? And so the way this all lines up is that, long story short, they, they become married because he, he, like, gives his life to try and protect her and things like that. And then the, the gods give favor to him and say, okay, you can, you can live forever with her, but you can't be part of the mortal world anymore. And right. you, like, they, just, they have to separate themselves. But th- that's the first, like, marriage between man and elf. Mm-hmm. And their line, their sons, become, like, Elrond and Aragorn and those people. Really? Yeah. Like, that, that's like, extent. Yeah, so, like, they're, they're, it's kind of cool shit. when you start thinking about it. It's like, it adds more layers to the story then. Because, right. like, when I read that, I was like, oh, my God, that makes sense why, you know, some of the events that happen in Lord of the Rings are even more, like, crazy. Because right. <laughs> it's kind of like this has all been building up where these common themes of, like, going in and fighting for love and you know yeah see something like that that's like that's <laughs> effective storytelling you know what I mean? oh, like, and absolutely. I didn't even do it any justice by my summarization here right but like the intrigue is there you know what I mean like right. the interest is peaked yeah <laughs> but, like, I mean it's totally it's really worth just even like reading a little bit and it's even more fun too is because when in that particular story is he has different versions of the prose that were written in different chapters and it's like rewritten in different like years later Huh. Almost, and so he's like, so this he's like this section of the book was written in, as best we can tell between these years and around this time, and he's like, so you can see the character development of these things starting to change huh. now. So it's almost like the screenwriting stuff, right? Where you get this sense of like the evolving story, right? Because right. it was never finished, like in a, in a sense that he, you know he was ready to call it a done story because right. he was always re-editing and rewriting and, and adding more to adding it more stuff. to it. And you're blowing smoke circles like you're Gandalf up in here. We <laughs> <laughs> need a boat, man. No. I know, that's exactly what I was thinking. That's the other thing, is how do you do Gandalf over again? Ian McKellen's too oh, good. dude. A lot of the characters Holy were Holy shit, you just mind-boggled me. You can't. I just loved that Gandalf. Yeah. It, I, just think, I just think of that, that scene in The Hobbit Man on New Zealand, and you have the, the little flute. Doo-doo. 
Oh, I never saw The Hobbit. Not, not in The Hobbit. Well, The Shire. Oh, the, the, okay. the, the first scene with Elijah Wood jumping in the cart and they got the little happy music and yeah, everyone's setting yeah. up for the party and it's yeah. it's my 111th birthday yeah. and Bilbo Swaggins is up and around. and Swaggins. <laughs> Do you mean Trilbo Swaggins? Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> like, I, there's just so much about... Like I just can I like as I just started saying that I literally had that like mental imagery of like the music and yeah, how you can picture it you know and the violin and how it like gets all like kind of that's why I hope I hope the series they're doing is more about what is it called the sli- similarin 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 it's a really weird word I'm probably mispronouncing it to be totally honest right it's, <laughs> it's like million but s i m similarin. Some, whatever. Someone will probably is probably screaming at their. <laughs> You're saying it wrong, you fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Triggered. <laughs> but I hope that's more where they're going because I'm like, I can understand if Lord of the Rings was done bad, and they're like, oh, let's right. do it and make it better. Um, but it was done like then the, so the, the third one won a fucking award, didn't it? A lot of awards. I think it won best. I mean, I Peter, think the third one. And it's won even weirder picture, to choose because Peter Jackson usually doesn't do movies like that. Right. You know? Right. Like, and he really went all out into making it as true as possible to the books. I mean, that was his career. That made his career. Oh, opinion, for real. Know? I mean, he made a lot of people's careers from yeah. that. You know? I mean, I can't really say anything bad about I mean, there's even, even like the guys that I know, like, uh, up there, that, that guy, he played um, uh, Lurtz, which was one of the orc commanders. But that guy, he was, he played like three of the big major bad guys. As like one of the stunt coordinators, basically. Oh, really? Yeah, so he he's like you would never know who he was unless you saw him, right. you know, and like it said who he was, but he like played like a lot of the major bad guys as, as one of the big, you know, prosthetic, you know, uh-huh. wearing all those suits and stuff like that, right? And just being you know a martial artist in some ways and stunt stunt, and it, having like his role as that character was amazing, right? When yeah. you saw him fighting Boromir and. <laughs> Like it was, it's just cool to like think about that, like yeah. you know, to bring all of that to life and and portray it in a way. Like even Aragorn, I think Viggo Mortensen. Yeah. Like he's like one of those guys that I don't think he gets many roles or as many roles as he should. But he was for a little bit. Right. That time. For yeah. sure. And I think he he's like one of those guys. That, I think he's like a stage actor though too, and I think that's part of it. I, yeah. I you think know. A lot of that stuff. Same thing with uh, Ian McKellen. Yeah. Is he's an, he's also a stage actor, yeah. which really I think that really comes true on 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 camera more so when you have those guys who are really used to being on stage mm-hmm. because they're able to actively like become those characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean every I feel like that movie was or those stories made it to that form. It was like I don't I I can't imagine it being done better. I really couldn't especially this soon. I would need right. like, I would need like there's still a recency bias. Yeah. Bias, you know exactly. I mean? And I mean too the so I think if I remember correctly it was, it was like a hundred million dollar budget per episode. I mean, that's a pretty big budget. It's Jesus. freaking amazingly huge. <sighs> Who's Amazon's doing? Amazon's doing Amazon? Yeah, it's Amazon. Man, I don't know. I know, it's crazy. I mean, I'm going to tune in. I mean, I'll definitely watch <laughs> yeah, it. Because yeah, for sure, I'm going to watch it. I mean, it. It's, it's just, there's a, there's a big, big thing to follow here, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think, if anything, I don't know who's going to be doing the special effects stuff, but they they better be getting Weta Workshop to do it. Yeah. Because that's who did all that stuff. Oh, really? Weta, Weta, Weta was literally made by Peter Jackson, like, they're a powerhouse in the industry now. Huh. Because um, when they first started, they they were just mostly doing physical prosthetic or um, physical props and stuff like that. We're making suits of armor and, and weapons and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And then by the third movie, they transitioned into doing the VFX stuff. So, like, creating digital mock-ups and, like, right. the armies and all that kind of extra right. stuff on top of it. 
and and now Wet is is a, is a powerhouse in the movie and prop industry. Yeah, they I, they've made a whole bunch of stuff. Right, I remember then. how they did the horses was a big yeah. deal in the yeah. big one. Like half of them weren't even there. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and then they actually like when they did the the mock-ups for like the big army battles where you see all the soldiers running, they put like artificial intelligence into them. Mm-hmm. And if you look closely enough, you can see certain ones that are running opposite directions. <laughs> They're actually running away yeah. instead of just running right into battle because right. they, they gave it just enough intelligence to make it be like, oh, f- I'm the getting out of here. And fear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Holy shit, that's <laughs> nice. Yeah, so like it really made Weta become this powerhouse for prop industry you know, within the movie industry, right? The small little yeah. New Zealand indie studio, kind of, and they yeah. become, they've made a name for themselves for being amazing at what they do. I mean, they, they helped, I think, on the Lord of the Rings movie. I think they've done a little bit, like, if you go to the website, they should have all their stuff, mm-hmm. or, sorry, um, the World of Warcraft movie and a few like, a few other ones. Wait. I'm sorry. There was a World of Warcraft movie? Oh, absolutely. Oh, a long time ago. It was a couple years ago, but it wasn't that good. How the fuck? Yeah, it didn't, didn't, it was uh, like, didn't do very oh, good. Oh, maybe that's why. It I was, was like, I've never heard of that. It was, <laughs> yeah, it no. was, eh. It was like three, four years ago? Yeah, something like that. Who, who, star, who was the star, if you remember? I don't remember. Yeah, no, I don't even know. I watched it. It wasn't in theaters that I watched it, though, but it was, it was okay. But I mean, like, from a, from a prop standpoint, it was cool. Okay. You know, from yeah. a VFX standpoint, it was mm-hmm. it was fun to watch. Like it was a good, it was just a good action movie, right? Right. Okay, that makes sense. Speaking about props, was that your brother who posted or who took photos of the the guy from the Ghost Army, from yes. World War One? Yes. Yeah, I, dude, I like I didn't even know about that, and then I dived deep into that rabbit hole. That is a fucking story, dude. Go for it. Holy shit, dude! So this Ghost Army is, um, people who are actually serving time during the war mm-hmm. and they use their artistic abilities to make props such as tanks or trees or even whole armies of people just paintings to to st- strike fear in the German in the German army right mm-hmm. and like dude that's in like just to have that mindset during an actual war like that's like is it on his? Sorry to interrupt. You. Is it on his Instagram? Yeah, I think he, he posted, shared it on his Facebook. He shared it on his Facebook. Oh, it was yeah, on his Facebook? Okay. he took but the picture. Was, but the article went up on a different website, I believe. Yeah, um, yeah, and like I, so like I, I just like quickly glimpsed at the uh, the photos, you know, just because like I, I like looking at your brother's photos. He always takes yeah, very, of course, very <laughs> nice photos. Dude, he, and um, <laughs> like I, so like I heard about this ghost army, and I started diving deeper into it, and I was like, that is just enormously heroic. I mean, like. Besides the heroic of even being in a war, to to apply your artistic ability to strike fear in another army <laughs> and it worked. Right. What? Well, dude, my brother, like, my brother said crazy. too is that he he goes to Harper every year and just takes the clay pottery the the pottery making class. He just does does the class for fun. Doesn't do it for a grade. Just wants to just be there, do the pottery. He just Who makes does some it? pottery. Your brother? No, the guy, the guy who took oh, pictures. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Huh. He just is there. And he just likes pot- taking pottery classes and gets access to the equipment and just... That's really cool. He's just there, and he's like 80 years old. <laughs> yeah, you, you, should, you should look into it, dude. And they, like, some of the students, fucking, like, there's, there's, a really bigger, nice. there's a bigger bust where some of the students made a bust of his his own head. because really? Yeah, because he's kind of like this this local legend of uh, the Harper campus. Because huh. yeah. he's all, just always there, and like there's an entire hallway of his art. Really? Yeah, at Harper. What? That's awesome. Yeah, I get. It's very, it's very surreal. Definitely, definitely got to dive into that rabbit hole, dude. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very. I mean, intriguing. the ghost army itself is just a weird. Yeah, oh my god, dude. I was, I was like enthralled, and I was at work, so this is like three, four, five a.m., and I'm just like not working, just reading like, on my phone. I'm like, this is so awesome. 
I know. I mean, you never know, right? Like, you, like, I mean, how many people would look at that old guy and be like, why is this old guy in this class, right? Just taking right, like, oh, classes. He's, he's yeah. just uh, there's like a bunch of college kids. Like, oh, there's a fucking old guy. Uh, what's his name? Barry or? Yeah, or Ernie. Ernie, something like that. Ernie goes to school. Yeah, they're like, oh, there, there goes old, old man Ernie taking another <laughs> pottery class. He was here for the last five years. Why didn't he right. get an actual job? <laughs> Little to know that he's fucking a legend. Right, yeah, like, you never know, right, who who people are or what stories they've had. <laughs> Dude, that was a story, man. I, I'm still enthralled by it. It's That's cool. Magical. That's cool. Yeah, I, I I saw the article now that I, like, went back, I looked at yeah. it. I was like, oh, I saw that. I didn't click on it, though, but that's... That's awesome. Um, it's really neat. Yeah, but your brother, he was telling me how he, like, looks at design and stuff, and he gave me, like, a new, um, like, a new... Perspective? Yeah, perspective. Like, I never cared about it, you know? Like, I'd look at something, and yeah. I'd either be like, that's cool, or it's not, and that was, like, it's very just surface level. Right, yeah. And he would say, no, it's deeper than that, because, like, there's a story behind it, and, like, I would butcher his explanation of it because it's something he's more like he's passionate articulate about, about yeah. Yeah. yeah um so it'd be cool to like have <clears> him explain <throat> it but basically the gist of it was like nothing was like nothing should have should be done on accident you know what i mean like right. if someone just makes a design just to make it then it's like okay that's like yeah that's stupid right you know I mean? <laughs> but he's like when someone can say oh like we did this because of this and you can like trace it back and there's a story he's like I'm like, yo, that's so cool to think about it you yes. know what i mean like getting right down to the well, meat of it i mean i mean to me like because I've had to design everything on the podcast, right? I've have to, I have to be somewhat aware of that, right? And it, you know, to some degree, I, I some of what I've designed, I'm not super happy with, but that's always going to be the case, right? right? You were talking about music before, where you get upset about how you do a verse or whatever, and you're like, yeah. I can make that better, yeah. right? I'm gonna, you're always going to be like that if it's something you created. Yeah, for, yeah. but absolutely. Like when I started doing all this stuff, it's kind of like, oh man. You know, I, the first step was, okay, what do other people, like, other podcasts do for thumbnails or something like that, right? And then I kind of, like, copied off of them and to figure out what I thought was cool, right? And then kind of pick colors that I thought were cool. Like, the, I guess one of the cool things that I could kind of say here is the reason the colors of my podcast are red and yellow and black. The black is just there for an accent, but the, the red and yellow are, are, are really specifically taught, picked because of the the emotions that are usually associated with those colors. Mm -hmm. Red being courage and, and the yellow or gold for intellect. Hmm. And so it's... Well, that's actually nice. <laughs> that's cool. And so I kind of picked those on purpose to be kind of pulled off of those kind of things that I thought were, were being like core... Just to me, for core aspects of what I thought the, this would be. Like, to mm -hmm. can encapsulate what we're looking at. You know, it's like being courageous about the ideas we share and being able to share them with intellectual clarity around those things right because right. it's feeding curiosity and yeah. so i really got deep on like the symbolism of what i wanted to represent it mm -hmm. by right and so i really kind of hold that true and i don't really want to change those colors as <laughs> right going forward because i think like the staple yeah like, like, the, like the symbolism and like the logo could change but the colors i really want to stay the same right mm -hmm. and i really kind of did this study of like trying to understand them on a deeper level, right? Looking at, like, how things are placed and, like, right. looking at where they go and, you know, what are people going to represent it with. And, and, like, the cool thing is, like, you know, now that more people are starting to get involved with this thing is everyone says Feeding Curiosity is a cool title, right? And I'm like, you know, when I first thought about it, it was like, 
oh fuck yeah like mm-hmm. that's like because it, it just resonated with me because that was like my thing right because <laughs> <Right. laughs> that's what I do is like I, I talk about all these crazy different things and all of a sudden you know it, it turns into something else because other people are like oh that's cool right because right. like, like when you think about it it's like who's going to like look up feeding curiosity right there's not that many people. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I mean, there's a lot of people that would just look at, like, how do you feed your curiosity, right? It's yeah. like one of those simple Google questions, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, when you start to think about it, it's like it's not something you really think about a lot. Like, like one of the weirder things I've been finding out lately is so the, the, the hashtag feeding curiosity on Instagram is actually not used at all. Damn. Yeah, so it's weird. Ground zero. Ground zero. Yeah. And so I have this hashtag now that I've been putting on every podcast thumbnail that I post. It's hashtag feeding curiosity. So I've got like an extra 50 different added hashtags. So if I ever know, that's how I'll know that this thing has kind of ever taken off, which is weird. Right. But, but if other people start using hashtag feeding curiosity, then I can kind of trajectory it a little yeah. bit, which that's, is a little yeah. weird, right? And it's like, it's kind of cool to think about that. But it's also, it's also fun because like, I... I don't own it. Like, I own it because it's, like, the thing. But it's, like, the... What it means is so malleable. Right. You know? Because, right. like, to each of you guys, it has its own thing. Mm-hmm. Right? And so that's the same thing with any design. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's how it should be looked at, you know? Yeah. For oh, sure. yeah. Because it's its own story, right? It's encapsulated in it, right? When you create a thing... I guess it, it means it's, like, it's kind of... We're, like, really circling back into, like, Marvel, right? Creating. Yeah. Creating anything, right? It starts out from the creator's perspective but then once it's out in the world it starts to resonate and create its own ripples of right. whatever it is and you can't own it anymore <laughs> and as long as it's done with like tact and yeah. thought then chances are you're gonna hit home with some people but yeah. if you just do it like oh you know what you know like if there's no and you can tell right well, can really I, tell I think I think the like worst thing ever is is it's it's better to have a a, a strict relation of either yes and or no rather than lukewarm Mm-hmm. You know, like if, because if people are like, eh, that's cool, right? Like if it's just like a, eh. yeah. if it's just like you raise your shoulders and it's like, eh, I won't think about it tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. But if you get people who are like, ew, that's gross, like I don't like that at all, or if you get the people who are like, hell yeah, mm-hmm. then you know you're onto something, right? And on either end of those spectrums, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> because then you know it's like, okay, cool, I'm like, strike, I'm not just lukewarm here where someone's like, I can see where you're coming from, but it's really not that important. Because <laughs> right. like, I think, when I think back of the other stuff I've done, like with my YouTube channel and stuff or my, my um, Twitch channel and things it's kind of like it wasn't like I cared but it wasn't like something that was resonating enough like I didn't add in, in my enough of my own to it right to make it resonate if that makes sense mm-hmm. you know it was more of like a pl- playground and practicing and kind of just trying to do something right? right but now like when I do this stuff it really feels like this is what I'm comfortable doing and I have so much to add and build and Every time I do it, I get to sit behind the microphone. I'm like, yes. Right. I have no yeah. idea. I have no idea what we're gonna talk about, but it's just yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's all it is. And then every time I get a new person, you know, like yesterday we had one with Claudia, and mm-hmm. like having all these new people that are showing up and just being able to like listen to their story and what they, you know, the lens at which they view the world, and like yes. Yeah. <laughs> you, this was a question I meant to ask you yesterday, but I forgot. Yeah. Or whatever. Um, have you thought about? Like, do you intentionally do it unscripted or have, you know what I mean? You know where I'm going with that? Yeah. I Personally, I like being unscripted as much as possible. Right. Because I, I just think it's more natural. Okay. You know? And yeah. it, go ahead. I was going to, I don't listen to as many podcasts as I should. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you do, Eric, but. I, I haven't watched them all, but I've watched a good five or six. Well, no, not. Just not in general. In general. Oh. Um, oh, yeah. 
No, not at all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, I was. I don't know if they script. It really like depends on your something. podcast. Like, what is your format? So, like, podcasts are weird in the sense that there's there's so many flavors out there, right? Like, you can go full like production standpoint where you got like NPR, right? And those guys, they have the money and the budget and the, the sound crews and the entire team built around these things, right? So they can make them sound great and be like, all right, so we went on this investigation and we're going to, you know, we found this person in this field and we're going to talk about, you know, and they're just making this whole, like, investigative journalism story via audio, okay. right? Or you can do it, like, the way I do it or Joe Rogan does it or some, like, those other people who just do freeform conversation where you just get a person, you know who those people are, Generally speaking, right? Like they do X, they're interested in Y, and they do Z in their free time, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then you just sit down and you're like, let's just talk about shit. And then you know, I my way of doing that is is less Joe Rogany because he likes to just he just talks about everything. Even though this conversation is kind of about everything too right now, is I, I try to find a question that gets people interested in whatever they are focused in, right? Mm-hmm. Like, for you, I would ask, like, music and storytelling and stuff like that, right? Right. Or Eric is just kind of, like, being himself and, like, what he gets interested in, like, with, like, the ghost army and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. And if you have that one question that you can encapsulate the entire conversation around, <clears throat> that then opens the door to everything else because then you can free flow, free flow that a little bit more. Right. But it also depends on your audience, right? So if, like, the person's not as comfortable being in a in a conversational aspect, mm-hmm. you, you do need to have more structured conversations. Like the one I did with John White, the sales director at my job, mm-hmm. that one was more of like an interview where I was just, it was more questions, 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 questions yeah. to kind of keep it in the mode because I think because certain people need that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah, especially with being the professional that he is, he, he has that mindset. Yeah, exactly. And so I think it depends on the person. Sit and chat with him over coffee about a podcast or yeah. Well, I think it depends on the person too. Is like how they view what they're expecting, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Because I still have the list of questions, and it's in my in the back of my mind, and it's you know pick out ones and when I need it to. But I like to like read the person, and because then because I think if you turn it formulaic, it can be a little. at times, right? It can, it can get dry. Yeah, yeah. because like if, if every episode is just you asking the same ten questions every time, yeah. What value? Like, cool. Yeah, like sure, there's still value in it, but I still think it's better to pull from the person's unique whatever more often, right? Because you don't know how the story is going to develop or reform. And there's like a few questions that I will always ask, like like any books or mentors or. Mm-hmm. Things like that that are, are fun, right? But then, like, right. but then there's more freeform questions of like, what what gets you most excited right yeah. now, right? And I don't know if, if you guys want to answer either of those questions, right now. Right now, what gets me most excited is, I would say, I've done a lot of research on welding and. <laughs> it's awesome um, that you say that because that's exactly what you said in our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> like I've I've been really diving into the welding and um, also since purchasing my first firearm, I've actually been getting into the, uh, what is it? Uh, Killing little, people. Like, <laughs> yeah, I've watched how to how to make a murder at least ten times already. <laughs> no, I haven't, I haven't even watched a single episode. No, but um, uh, I can't think of the word, but the actual like legal process mm-hmm. of like what happens after you use your firearm in a oh, defensive okay. situation yeah. because that is huge. Just charge your weapon yeah, procedure, like, I guess it would be called. Everybody wants to save the day, but right. nobody knows what happens to that person who saves the day after they save the day. Mm. Yeah, that's an interesting one. You never would think about it, right? Yeah, they just, <laughs> just kind of... Right, yeah, you wash your hands of it. Done and done. Problem, problem solved. Bad guys <laughs> killed, done is done. Yeah. Not always the case. Yeah. 
Jordan? Yeah. Um, so for me, for sure, it's screenwriting. Like, yeah. I can tell, obviously, with yeah, when you... Like, 100% for sure, that's, like, what I'm, like, enveloped in. Yeah. Um, and I'm becoming a nerd with it. And it was weird. Like, I don't really know specifically what switched it. Yeah. Um, I think it was, like, a series of things. But Joe, like, I would say Joe kind of helped spark that. Because um, he started writing his book, and he was telling me, like... The process. Kind of the gist. The, the process and the gist. And, like, he was telling me, like, the walls he would hit. He'd be like, oh, okay, I'm ready to write. Oh, shit. You know what I mean? Right. Like, realized he had to do more. Um, and that was interesting. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should take a stab at, like, writing something. I'm like, it's really, mm-hmm. it sounds interesting. So I started it, and then talking back and forth with him, he was saying, I was saying, like, yeah, man, you know, I'm like, I really want to make a story. But I'm like, one, I don't read as many books as I should. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not a student of the game as in the form of, like, novels, if that right. makes sense. So I'm like, I'm kind of really, in that sense, I'd be biting off more yeah. than I can chew. I'm like, so I don't know. He's like, well why don't you do screenplays? He's like, that's kind of like, yeah. he's like, I feel like that's right up your alley. Yeah. Um, I can see you doing that easy. Yeah. And so I was like, at first I was like, no, nah, I'm not really into that. And then I kind of started, you know, like looking into it more and stuff like that. And that was like months ago at this point. Right. That was before he was in Michigan. So I guess that was like a year ago now. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was like a year ago at this point. Yeah. Um, and then something happened where I'm like, yeah, like I'm, I'm going to do it. You know what nice I mean? And like, like that yeah. idea just flowed together and I got it figured out and I think yeah. one of the things that can help you here I obviously you're motivated right now but um there's a really pretty good short it's a short book and a really good book it's called The War on Art by Stephen Pressfield and it's kind of like the a look at how to like understanding the process of writing and so mm-hmm. in the book he uses writing and saying that no writer is born with a talent, right? Right. What, what, what a writer is is a conduit for, in, in the book he calls it a muse, right? And mm-hmm. so what you do is you is you basically bake into your schedule a, a, a time in which you are always going to be writing and you'll be available for the muse to speak through you, hmm. if that makes sense. No, yeah. I think we talked about that. We've talked about yeah. this before, yeah. yeah. And so it's kind of like that idea of, of baking something in your schedule when you feel passionate about it. And like, because writing is one of those things, it's like, even in the book, he says, like, a writer's, a writer's life, or not even that book, it's a different writer. He's like, a writer's job is, is to procrastinate up until the moment to actually start writing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, because, like, it's really hard. Like, it's mm-hmm. just because you're a professional writer doesn't make it any easier to put words on paper. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that's really funny because I kind of had that moment where I'd be like, all right, I'm ready to write. Oh, no, you know what? I should probably, you know, develop this. I'm ready to write. And then I got to the point where I'm like... Anything more <laughs> is me just putting it off. You know, yeah, what I mean? so yeah, yeah. I'm like I might as well start, and then if I hit a wall, then I can go back. But I'm like, I, right. I'm at the point where I have to start. I mean, that's like a, that's like anything you do, right? So like <clears throat> you, I could easily have taken half of the pod. Like I could probably take in the like the first eight episodes of this podcast and said they were garbage and they were not going to have any reason to be put online, right? Mm-hmm. Easily. <laughs> and I could have done that, and then this podcast would never have turned into what it is, yeah. right? Because I could have felt that I didn't care, or it was just like, uh, it could have been better, mm-hmm. or I don't know what I'm doing, or whatever, mm-hmm. right? You, you could do that with everything, mm-hmm. right? And I, right now, I'm doing my senior design project for school, and I think part of it, too, we were talking about design a little bit earlier, is like by designing this thing that's really not super complicated, I have so much respect for anybody any company that can make anything and then sell it to people mm-hmm. because like like you said the the thought process that goes into putting like a button on something like someone had to think about that button right like this this microphone they were using to record like 
this entire thing, it spent months of people arguing around a table saying, I don't know, man, maybe that mute button doesn't need to go there. Maybe it should go somewhere else, mm -hmm. right? And like, what color does it want to be? Like, what does the knob look like? How does the knob work, right? Mm -hmm. All of that stuff has to get thought about and figured out and then like to make sure it's gonna work 100% of the time to be able to sell that thing, yeah. it's insane. Yeah. When you start thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. like, and then, you know, a microphone is easy, right? So then you level that up to like a computer or a laptop or, or a, a phone, TV. a TV, yeah. right? Or a car, right? Yeah. Like how yeah. many more parts are in a car that make it work? Yeah. Right? Jesus and Christ. all you got to do is press a button and to start your car and you got a, two pedals, a, a shifter for your gears and a wheel. Yeah. That's all you got. And that's how you control this thing. But it's, you know, all that stuff behind the scenes mm -hmm. to make it actually go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's crazy to me, and like I have so much respect for it because I'm going crazy. Like, I, I put in a 14-hour day on Saturday, working on my normal work, and then another five hours on my project. Jesus. Yeah, it's crunch time. Crunch time. <laughs> it's crunch time. Like, I gotta make sure it all works. <laughs> This year? Dece December December seventh. December seventh. Oh, that's kind of soon, dude. December seventh has to all be working. You got less than a month. I know. <laughs> I'm aware of it. That's why I put 14. <laughs> so I put team 14 hours, and I think I had like a stress-induced like cold going into last night. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, like right after you guys left yesterday, I was like, I was like, I'm gonna do your guys' intro for the next episode of the podcast. I can't focus. I want to go to sleep. You but, sounded sick. Yeah. I was. I started watching the podcast this morning, and I was like. So he sounds sick. Yeah, yeah. That, I recorded that this morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Yeah, it's funny that you knew yeah, noticed. Like, he sounds kind of sick or something. Obviously, I'm, I'm feeling better now, but like... Right. Yeah, I recorded that this morning right before, and I was like, I did not feel well, and my, my ring told me I had three and a half degrees elevated body temperature. Jesus. Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah. It's, it's kind of funky when I when I tip my ring to Dude, that, that thing would, like, piss me off. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> it's what? stress. What am I worried about? <laughs> <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's just rising. Yeah, right. God damn it. You need to calm down on stress, but how? I don't know what I'm stressed about. Fuck. All right, lavender baths for the next week. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Take it easy. That's what it tells me. Elevated body temperature is having a negative effect on your readiness. Try taking it easy today. But how? What? <laughs> what? What? What about your body temperature? <laughs> throwing you. Yeah, it, it tells you my my last three days or last seven days of body temp there on that graph. That's really cool. It's really cool, but also kind of trippy because yeah. I'm like, how do you know this much about me? <laughs> Dude, that I'm saying that thing. Uh, Nope, that's too technological for me. I, I already know what's wrong with me if I have a ring telling me what else is wrong with me. Nope, not going to do it. What do you mean? <laughs> gonna come, my parents are going to come home from dinner one day and just find me yelling at myself in the mirror, What's wrong with you? Figure it out. Eric, what's going on? Uh, my ring told me that I need to take it easy, but I don't know what to take it easy about. I think it's myself. <laughs> I don't even know at this point. <laughs> God. So good. I'm going to go for a walk. <laughs> like, I'm not taking it easy enough. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> he, just, he just, like, throwing... The ring will be like Alexa's attached to you. He's like, Eric, you should relax a little bit. <laughs> Dude, my Alexa in my room has been going off. Like, yeah, I'll be watching Netflix, right? And then she'll be like, sorry, didn't read that. I'm like, bitch, who the fuck even said your name? Nobody even... You, like, you have to be activated by the specific word Alexa. Nobody said Alexa. They said a lake. 
in Netflix. That's not Alexa. The, the best one I just saw is someone uh, hacked their Alexa into one of those fish. The mounted. Oh yeah, the mounted speaking fish. Yeah, the mounted speaking fish. I think I saw so that was like, video. Hey Alexa, and he's like. Hello, and the fish talks. Like, and it actually it, like, turns it, like, out. It, like, pops off the wall. He's like, hello, and he's like, Alexa, tell me the weather. And he's like, the mouth moves. It's like, the, the weather is <laughs> like... It's pretty cool. It's so good. That's so I, weird. It was on Twitter, and I was it's like... definitely this, a laugh. This, this totally made my that, day. That's so weird. Yeah. It was, yeah, the fact that someone hacked the, the fish to make it Alexa okay, is pretty but, good. But going with what you said earlier about how you can make something and sell it, if those fish go mass marketable, you know how much money that would make? Right. If people just buy stupid regular talking fish just for shits and giggles and have it in their house, right. to have an Alexa on it that will tell you the date, the time, the weather in any specific location yeah. on the world, dude, that would make so much money. Right. Everybody well, would buy it. I mean, if you think about it, yeah. if you think about that in any perspective, right? Say you say you sell anything in the world, right? Whatever you pick it, whatever you pick that thing to be. It could be a widget, right? Say that's whatever you design and build, you sell that for $10, right? And you say, you get 1,000 people to buy that, that's a lot of money, right? <laughs> like, you're already making pretty good bank. It's like and, two, three years of college right there. Right. You know, 1,000 people to... I'm going to do the math right now because I feel stupid because I can't. I mean, it's obviously easy math. Yeah. $10,000. Ten. Oh, uh, see, I was going to say $10,000, but I suck at it's, math, it's so I don't want to speak 10 up. 10 times 1,000. So oh, I thought you said 100. No, yeah. Well, I mean, even still, like, you just do the math, right? So you could get a... If you get 1,000 people a month, right? You're making $10,000 a month. Bye-bye job. I'm right. going in. I mean, I'm kicking really, my supervisor I mean, it's chest. really easy. Like, when you start thinking about... Because like, I think people uh, think there's too much... Like, it's too hard to make something <clears> profitable, right? But if you just think about the idea of there's 1,000 people out there that would buy something that you want, right? Or think is a need, right? You can make money off of it pretty easy. And it's just a matter matter of managing costs at the right. end of the day, and it, you whatever that is, whatever that turns out to be, and it's kind of cool, right? Yeah. <laughs> because when absolutely, you, it's just the idea of that. What's your minimum viable audience, right? And I think that's one thing you might actually find interesting. Um, so media might be changing in the form of how people consume it, mm-hmm. right? And so there's like this thing that's starting to develop is where people are starting to consume media in the form of TV shows and things like that in the in-between spaces of our lives. So like if you're traveling between places, you're like, say you're on a train or you're like on a plane, mm-hmm. right? You don't have like a whole bunch of time, but you have just enough time where you don't want to get into something, you know. Like serious. Yeah, serious, right? Uh-huh. And so you haven't been really seeing people try to market this medium in any way, right? Because most of our TV show is 30 minutes, 45 minutes to an hour, mm-hmm. right? Or then you go full-length movies that are an hour and a half to two, two and a half hours. So if you think about media from that perspective, right? It's like, how could you make compelling media that are going to be one-minute episodes, right? Because hmm. you could do that, right? So right. you can... Somebody does do that on Facebook. I, um, I don't know if his name is Nair or Yair. But he does, like, one-minute episodes on how he talks about, like, poverty in, like, Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Or he oh, talks I've about, like, that. yeah, he talks about, like, um, what's going on in Egypt or something yeah. like that. or like. But it's just one-minute episodes. Right. And he, he gives, like, all of the information. Like, it is. He does right. not take a breath. Right. And he just gives all the information one minute, and then that's the video. Yeah. Well, well here's what I'm thinking. is like, if you take something where Jordan's getting at, where it's, like, these really fine-tuned, like, story-crafted things, right? 
and you can really encapsulate them and say <clears throat> you do like one minute episodes, but they're written in such a way and and you know filmed in such a way that people are are you know encapsulating it, and you do like you know you seven you know you do seven one minute episodes, right? And that's your entire season. You know, and you get these really intense things, and you're able to just capture the story, right? And so you got this whole different medium, right? And then, or you or you do it longer, right? You do like 15 minute episodes, but you're still within that like window where you're you're still giving people time, where it's mm-hmm. not they don't have to spend all day getting into it, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's actually a really good idea. I would <laughs> I would hesitate to say they do that on Snapchat. Oh. <laughs> Alex just pointed out that they already do that on Snapchat. Right, and yeah, probably. that's like part of it too. Um, oh yeah, which makes sense. Um, that's dope. I would, I would hesitate to say a minute to make a compelling story. Right, I know. Would it be, but somewhere in between. Yeah, that would be really cool. That actually, yeah, that's actually really cool. And it, well, but here's the other thing too is like, cause when you look at how to become better at a skill, right? Cause so if you think about anything, right, becoming a filmmaker, a screenwriter. Of a cameraman, whatever. It's all about practice and time behind the thing, and then doing the thing, whatever that skill is, enough, and doing it frequently enough so that you become better, right? Mm-hmm. When you're doing it in like these long format things, right, where you have multiple hours of filming, you're doing less of those things, so you have less, you know, skill time, right? Mm-hmm. Skill building time. So when you start to compress that time period, you're you're increasing the amount of time you are actively using those skills, so you're able to get better at things more quickly. Yeah. That's <laughs> nice. I, I didn't, actually didn't think of it that way, but yeah, I can see... That, that, that's, I mean, it doesn't even mean that you have to post, post these online. It's just do them as, as practice. Like, yeah, it's funny, yeah <laughs> right. um, I do have a passion. I, I call it a passion project that I'm working on that is effectively that, except yeah. it's, it's not short. Right. Like, it's still a full length. It's more of a movie where the, the thing I'm seriously working on is a series, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, actually doing it in like shorts or like where yeah. people want to be authors work on short stories for yeah, practice. Right. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense actually. I mean, that's kind of like what I do with my blog posts. I try to keep them as short as possible, but use them as a refining thing to find the voice and find just how I'm used to them because I don't know where, because I can always pick up those things again mm-hmm. and build on them and create them into something bigger right. and longer and more elaborate mm-hmm. in, in my own way, right? Because the ideas I work with are pretty broad anyways, and so you can always go deeper and as I've learned more you know because a lot of the stuff I've written about is stuff that I've like you know done my first foray into right it's like right. this is what I'm experimenting with and here's what I've done with it you know maybe you can try it right, <laughs> right? that's kind of what it is but then now it's like oh well now I've got like five years in this like you know field of working out and nutrition like so I could really just expand on it and turn it into this whole blown out thing right if I really wanted to but, you know, depending is, like, do I really have more to add, right? Right. <laughs> It'd be much more of, like, hey, it's much rather, like, here's all of these people that I could pick and choose their ideas from. And be like, that's what, it, you know, here's what's right. valuable. Absolutely. Not my own opinions. Right. <laughs> or it's like, here's a way of looking about them that's d- different. Right. So. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, one question I meant to ask you this a long time ago, but we got on a tangent. Like, I was going <laughs> to, yeah. not a long time ago in days, but, like, in... Within this conversation? Yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you, and we kind of talked about it. We talked about it before, but I forgot your answer, mm-hmm. and I apologize. <laughs> but I was going <laughs> to ask you, obviously you're pro-guns, but I was just going to ask you, like, in a wider sense, what do you think about those? Well, I was, I was always fascinated with firearms just from video games, but now owning one is, I mean, and obviously you guys know I'm, like, the craziest out of the friend group. You know, I'm <laughs> fucking crazy, Eric. 
And as much shit as I do talk, like, oh, like, oh, that girl, that guy's talking to my girlfriend, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna blast him right now. Like, no. Having a firearm to me is more of a responsibility. And I take it in as kind of centering myself and just like relaxing myself from that craziness because when I have the firearm in the car, I don't speed. I don't take reds on, or I don't take uh, turns on red when it doesn't say so. Like, I comply to every law that I, that I possibly all that shit can. Before. <laughs> I know, dude. I, yeah. Fuck these red lights. Dude, I mean, I would, I mean I Eric's the personification curves. of that meme he posted, and we just had to roast him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's, like, yeah. he's like, oh, I'm for sure the best friend, the best driver of the friend yeah, group. That was yeah. the worst thing you could have done. I know. I literally <laughs> did that so you guys could throw shade all over me. <laughs> uh, and then you guys just go ahead and fucking incriminate me. But, you know, that's fine. It's Facebook. It's cool. <laughs> But um, but but having that firearm, like especially like when I'm not in the car, and it's just on my hip, like it's you definitely carry yourself a different way, hmm. a way different way. Like I'm not, I'm like I'm always I've always been one to scan the environment. I'm I'm very much an observer, but I guess as a 19 year old kid, you know, fresh out of high school, going into climbing towers where I have no friends, nobody knows me. I'm only in this town for a, a week and then I'm gone. Like, I'm just going to cause havoc and just <laughs> zoot scooting and, and boot. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm out of here. But uh, having the firearm on me, I I scan my area. I look at, like, anybody who's, like, I, I, I look for people who's acting shady and then I stay away from them. Like, I'm, I'm not very much actively going out with my firearm intending to save the day. That's not how I look at it at all. I never want to discharge my firearm at another person at all. That's like the worst case scenario that could possibly happen. And even if when it came down to it, like let's say I'm at the Walmart buying something and somebody decides to, God forbid, shoot up a Walmart, um, I, I don't think I'm going to step in because it's, you know, that, that's my life that I'm dealing with. And I, I'd rather I'd rather live till I'm 90, you know, rather than 35 <laughs> and get shot down at a Walmart. Right. You know, you just carry yourself a way different way. And uh, you you view society differently too because like, you know, when I when I got the firearm, I I know you guys would give me shit, but like, even people that I didn't know, uh, <clears throat> as as well as you guys, and they're like people at my work as well. They're like, oh here goes here comes crazy Eric. He's got a firearm now. He's bringing it to work. I'm like, okay, first of all, I'm not bringing it to work because it's in my vehicle. Okay, it's not in the it's not in the vicinity of the actual building. I'm not bringing it on my hip when I'm entering, when I'm clocking in, you know? Right. But it's just, you, you definitely carry yourself a way different way, and I have a lot more respect for myself now, I would say, rather than to, like, if something, like, if I was walking down the street with my firearm on me, and I see some shit going down, and, like, somebody's getting jumped, like, normally I would probably do something to help out, you know, get a, get somebody to call 911, de-escalate the situation or maybe even jump in the fight if I was 19 years old you know like just try and help the guy out yeah, right. but now if I see that happening I'm gonna call 911 and I'm just gonna stand and be a bystander until 911 arrives because that's not not any of my business especially me having a firearm on me like I don't want to be a hero it's just for my personal defense and home defense makes sense I mean plus if like what if it, things go sideways and someone gets a hold of your weapon and uses it absolutely <laughs> right? like, that's, yeah, what, like, that's just the one thing I was just thinking of like would you like god that that's one thing I've been um, I've been 
drilling muscle memory at home mm-hmm. of like just drawing the weapon because especially with like the type of clothes that I wear, loose fitting clothes. Right. Like it's really Right, there's a lot of bagginess to Yeah, like. <laughs> there's a lot of bagginess to work with, so I gotta actually like swing my clothes around rather than lift them up if I wanna draw draw my firearm. Mm-hmm. And um I'm just doing all that muscle memory stuff just to get it in me, you know, just normal right. just normal drilling, training. Um and like so I, I do the uh, the drawing of the firearm, and then I also do the um, holstering of the firearm. Hmm. Because if you draw the firearm and you uh, discharge rounds, then you this the situation's de-escalated. Right. You're gonna have all that adrenaline pumping in you. Right. All that adrenaline, and you're just gonna have tunnel vision on the suspect. So like I like I said I've I've been getting into the 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 legality of it of what happens after you discharge a firearm and on on a person and whatnot, and um, there's a lot of cases where the people who have been the heroes and have shot like bank robbers and stuff and like just or store robbers whatever, uh, when they go to holster their firearm their finger's still on the trigger from all that adrenaline. Oh God! So they go and holster their firearm and put a put a round in their leg. <laughs> Now they're the fucking, you know? Oh, Jesus. Like now they're in the hospital. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense, though, because if you think about it, those people are not used to having Absolutely. to shoot their weapon, right? It, 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 that's the thing, too. I was I was talking to you guys about this, um, about at the Pollyanna thing, but, like, there's a, there's a statistic, and it's very high. I can't think of the actual number, but it's definitely above 45%. Uh, percent, Whoa. Uh, that, like, that X amount of percent of people who own a firearm are not trained on how to use it. So they just own a gun thinking that, hey, I'm going to pull this trigger and it goes bang. Right. Yeah. And they don't know that, like, even with, like... It's not as simple as that. Yeah, it's definitely not as simple. <laughs> like, like I, I bought my firearm without a safety, but it has a decocker that pulls the uh, the hammer from fully cocked to half cocked. And when you decock it, it does not allow the hammer to go any further. Mm. So if you drop that pistol on the hammer, it's going to break the hammer instead of releasing the hammer and oh, discharging wow. a shot. So That's it, interesting. it's locked I didn't know, at I that didn't, position. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't know you could. Act, they could actually have no safeties on the guns. Oh, yeah, there's no safeties on uh, a lot of guns, actually. Uh, well, I would say a lot of um, pistols, guns. a lot of yeah. handguns. I mean, that makes sense. And um, hmm. same thing with, like, semi and automatic rifles, too. Like, I just learned how an automatic rifle actually rechambers rounds. Mm-hmm. So when you pull the trigger, obviously the the bullet goes out and then it uses the gas at the end of the barrel there's a short gas chamber that leads back to the bolt Mm -hmm. so the gas that's releasing from the barrel goes through the gas chamber and blows the bolt back thus chambering another round whoa I never knew that I just thought it was automatic I thought it was a spring mechanism yeah I just thought it was like a spring mechanism or something never Mm -hmm. knew it was through a gas valve right, using yeah. in, inside the own internals of the of the machine, but it's definitely uh, it's definitely a lot of information to take in, and I'm I'm glad that I'm actually adamant about all this legality and stuff. I mean, yeah, the fact that you're even going doing the legwork because I think a lot of people assume that it's just like you get a gun and you're gonna just absolutely go yeah, that's, shoot people, and, and that's the one person like that I didn't want to become like right, I, you know, me being crazy and stuff, owning a firearm, like I would do some stupid shit like, oh hey, I'm right. at a party, everybody check out my pistol, right? Absolutely not. <laughs> if I go to a party with my pistol, it's gonna remain in my vehicle like never. Like right. I have a, I have a friend who I'm not even gonna 
say where from or anybody anything, but um, he left his job and went to a strip club with a bunch of friends. It was somebody's birthday that they were going to the strip club, and uh, so they went to the bar. They had their pregame, yeah, and then they went to the strip club. Well, going to the strip club, they got on the topic of firearms, and one of the persons in the car was like, "Oh, I've never seen your pistol. Like, oh, let's no. let's see it." And um, so he takes it out, and he unloads the clip, not uh, forgetting that he had one in the chamber. Right. Um, and they were playing around with it. Obviously, when it, like I'm just gonna say this now. Whenever you're whenever you're given a gun that you want like to check out, you always have to make sure that it's clear. No matter, regardless of whoever's giving it to you, right. like if it's a safety instructor giving it to you you still have to make sure that gun is clear because right. everybody can forget that there's a little fucking half-inch bullet right. in this pistol or or rifle, whatever. Like, you just have to make sure it's clear. And um, this guy was, uh, you know, he was, like, teaching him, like, oh, yeah, it's got the safety, it's a 19-round clip, blah, 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 this and that. It's, um, I think his, his firearm was a striker-fired, which means that it doesn't have a hammer. It's all internal. Oh wow! Okay. Um, it's yeah. It's all internally fired. So, um, and then uh, the striker fired pistols also because they don't have the hammer. Yeah. It's less less uh, pounds on the trigger that you have to pull. Right. Yeah. It's it's because touchier. you don't have to mechanically cock that hammer back yeah. with the trigger. Um. So yeah, he he blew a hole in his fucking car, and like through the floorboards or whatever, and uh, that's not considered that is a negligent discharge of a of a firearm so now he's he doesn't carry one in the chamber he barely carries his pistol at all and this was the guy who used to carry every day yeah and so he's well, yeah, I mean, it definitely struck him very hard i, I mean, mean it w- <laughs> i think it would for anybody cuz it's like yeah absolutely i and mean it's like anything right you you disrespect it for what it is absolutely I mean, these things have tremendous power <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and and moral of the story point being is that he had drinks to start oh, with. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, like they had, they went to the bar and he wasn't fucked up. He wasn't right. tipsy, but he was, you know, he had some but drinks. But still being inebriated. <laughs> exactly. Still having those yeah, drinks. You should never touch a firearm when you have drinks on you. Yeah. Like n- me coming to this podcast, knowing that I'm going to have drinks, my firearm's at home. Yeah. I'm not even going to fucking touch that thing. I'm not even going to fucking bring it with me. Right. Because there's always, always that one mistake that you can have. That will just set it off, and it's super easy to set it off. Right. Super. Um, I was going to go into this but, uh, when I was telling the story, but now that I'm done with the story, striker-fired pistols, they're all done. Uh, the 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 striker hits the bullet all internally, so instead of the hammer hitting the pin, then the pin hitting the bullet, it's all done internally. So what it does is um, if you look at, like a let's just say, a Glock, Right, because that's a striker-fired pistol. If um, you look at the trigger, it has like a little tiny trigger at the yeah. bottom of the trigger. That's a pressure system. As soon as your finger indents like a millionth of a pound of pressure yeah. on that thing, it, it actually sets the spring for the pin to hit the round. It sets it back. Oh. Right? So yeah. then all you have to do is pull the trigger. That's why Glock says their triggers, uh, they actually call it the... Safe trigger system. Oh, really? I believe it is. But um, Glock, in all of their handbooks, will tell you that their preferred method of carry is one in the chamber. Because if you drop that pistol, if you do anything, that 
that spring that holds the pin to yeah. hit the round will never be engaged or oh. will never be open unless you have your finger or your finger on the first pivotal system right, of that yeah. trigger. So you can drop that pistol, you can throw it at a wall. It will never ever discharge. Ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, unless that on the trigger. Now I, I haven't um, found any anything in my diggings, but I've actually uh, dug and think and looked for like striker fired uh, discharges, mm -hmm. striker fired pistol discharges, and um, haven't found anything. Hmm. So those pistols are fucking safe as shit. Well, you know, unless you put you unless you have your finger on that trigger on that little little pressure mini switch. pressure switch, yeah. you, you're never gonna fire around from that pistol. That's interesting. So they're very very safe pistols. Striker fired pistols are, but I always I just wanted to go with the classic. Just have a hammer, mm -hmm. cock it back. And, as, and with the decocker is a very good safety because it doesn't allow to, the hammer to go forward. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know nothing about guns. <laughs> like, I really don't. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I know very little. Yeah. Very yeah. Little. I mean, with, with your time in the military a little bit. Yeah, but it was it. more... I mean, they didn't... They did, but we didn't go super in-depth about the guns itself. Right, I'm yeah. I'm sure some people do. Um, and it depends on the person, I think. Yeah, if you have an interest in that, obviously you're going to learn more about it. But um, after a certain point, it, the the training shifts away from like learning the gun. You had a handbook, and you were supposed to read it, but I don't know of anyone that <laughs> read it. Yeah, who reads handbooks? Say, <laughs> yeah. I, don't know, I don't know how many people are going to be like, ooh, handbook, yeah. yeah right. Would you want to read the handbook yeah. or shoot a gun? Right. Yeah. <laughs> So. Well, guys, as this has been uh, almost two hours. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> a grand two hours. Always always fun. Yeah. So. And this is supposed to be about me and Jordan fighting, so uh, fuck you, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, fuck you too. Stupid. <laughs> I see we got really far in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we go talking about ideas. Now we can finally come to common ground. Yeah. Still fuck you, Jordan. Yeah, you, you, you both still hate each other. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, glad, very, I'm, glad nothing's, I'm glad nothing got solved. Yeah. That one <laughs> That won't change. <laughs> Alright guys, till next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you all enjoyed it and learned something and hope you fed your own curiosity. You can support the podcast directly at anchor.fm slash feeding curiosity well, one word slash support. Also, I'd like to thank the sponsors for this podcast as well. And I'd just like to thank Anchor for being able to be there to give us the platform to have it out there on all the platforms available to us podcasters. With that, everyone, thank you all one more time, and I'll see you all next time.